This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to OrbitalJigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO. Or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open. Thank you. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 157. My name is Nick Howell. And currently sitting on AJ Styles' face, I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to the... That came out wrong. That came out wrong. Let me clarify. Phrasing, sir. Phrasing. I (laughs) I am currently... Not at the Danger Cave. I am out and about. I am on location. I'm currently at the House of Hilton in Sacramento, California. If you listen to the Going In Raw podcast, you know who Hilton is. He's a contributor over there. I'm currently staying with him, and I'm in a a back bedroom over here, sitting on a uh, No Mercy 2016 chair, a legit chair from the event. Uh, Dog Ziggler is passed out in the corner after having a very eventful week with Hilton's dogs. But yeah, so I'm... I am not at home. I am I am out and about, uh, but still ready to talk about all of the things that went down this week, Nick. And we have an especially big show because it was a huge weekend of big shows this last weekend. Yeah. We had, yeah, we had AEW finally had their all out event. Uh, we had Royal Quest from New Japan and NXT Takeover UK Cardiff, which was. Man, if you are sleeping on NXT UK, go watch the show and you won't be sleeping anymore. It will wake your ass right up. Amazing, amazing show. Not to mention the fact that we had some big swerves and, and, and plot points happen this week on the WWE programming. So, Nick, we have a ton to get to and not a lot of time. So let's not waste any time and do a little housekeeping and get into this show. Yes, as always, guys, come join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook. You definitely want to be in there. As well, you'll find a pinned post in the, pinned post in there for our Discord server. We're transitioning a lot of our live chats and other interactions throughout the week over to our brand new Discord server. Understand it's a little confusing about which one to go where, but we're going to keep both active for the time being just to experiment. But all live chats for all pay-per-views will be over there, and we've even got channels for all of the weekly stuff as well. So be sure you're signed up for our Discord. Discord patrons, you definitely want to be in there and make sure you connect your uh, the Discord reward to your patron account. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast right here on YouTube live every Thursday for the time being. 
at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, uh, youtube.com slash busted wide open. Ian, you're hanging out with the going in raw guys. I'm balls deep in a hurricane, so I'm going to apologize in advance <laughs> if the power happens to go out. Uh, and we drop off stream for whatever reason, just warning everybody in advance that, yeah, it's on top of me right now in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, yeah, things could get interesting. So I just Wait. wanted to throw that warning. What? North Carolina? I thought it was going to Alabama. No, no, dude. It's, it's oh. pounding the shit oh. out of North and South Carolina right now. Fake news! Fake news! <laughs> sorry. It's 90 degrees where I am. I don't know what's going on. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's just uh, some rain and thunderstorms, but... When these things come through, wind gets crazy, power goes out. It's kind of expected. So hopefully we got a couple hours here to get through the show and not have to worry about that, but just wanted to give everybody a heads up in case everything just goes black all of a sudden. That's going to be why. But that's enough of that stuff. We have a ton of show to talk about this week. Um, but as first, as we always do, let's kick things off with the big news. Well, Nick, I don't want to spoil something later in the show when we talk about AEW's All Out, but we're going to have to to do this one particular big news segment. If, if you, you don't know by now, too bad. <laughs> then you, then it's been really five, six fan? days. Right. I think we can go ahead and spoil this, but uh, warning, spoilers, uh, the winner of the heavyweight title match at AEW's All Out was Chris Jericho. As we predicted, as we predicted, um, but he, he did not have the title for long because it was stolen from him by we don't know who. He lost it on Fake the way news. to Longhorn. Yeah, he we went from the airport to Longhorn Steakhouse in a limo, and somewhere around there, that title went missing. This is not a work. This was it. Really did it went missing. It was missing for about what forty eight hours. Yeah, it was gone. And then, uh, so I mean, he wasn't doing though. much to look for it. He was sitting in a hot tub drinking champagne while other people did the work. I mean, it sounds just like Chris Jericho, uh, but yeah, it's actually it's amazing how this all went down. They did actually end up finding the title. I guess someone tossed it up by the side of the road, and a good Samaritan brought it in. Uh, who knows? I don't see this. I think it would be probably too. This is too random to be a work. Uh, at least for the most part. But Lord knows it didn't stop Chris Jericho from working it to death and making a big deal out of it. Uh, here's the thing, Nick. In in kind of recent hindsight, will this just be like a hilarious footnote in wrestling history, or is this like a major thing we should really be talking about and considering and will be something that we talk about years from now? Oh, remember that time that Chris Jericho lost the inaugural AEW title the day after winning it? I think it'll be a memory of AEW coming on board, like the first ever AEW World Championship. Chris Jericho lost it that same night. Uh, not <laughs> like literally, not like he lost it in a match, but he lost the belt. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think it's something we'll remember uh, as the beginnings of AEW long term. Sure. I, and they're I they're cashing I, in. They've already got shirts. Oh, uh, him and, you know, the whole little bit of the bubbly thing that's going around. And Well, this is actually what the point I was going to make, and I was going to save it for when we talked about AEW, but this is the perfect time to bring it up, and that is, you know, we, we discussed who would have been the better inaugural champion, Hangman Page or Chris Jericho. And you and I both believed that it was just no question it should be Chris Jericho because of his history, because of the cachet he brings to that position and going into TV. He's still somewhat of a recognizable name 
for lapsed fans, etc. But also what he has been doing in the five days since winning this title proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that he should have been the champ because he's already become a major meme online with his amazing backstage promo immediately after winning this title, walking around, insulting everyone backstage, going to the craft services table and playing with some champagne, a little bit of the, the bubbly, Nick. There's no yeah. way that I, I, I can't even begin to try and make jokes about this because all the jokes are being made right now. Yeah. He's got like three <laughs> memes already, T-shirts already, just about the things that have happened in the last five days since he's become champ. He is a meme machine. He got the word it over in WWE. If there's any reason for Chris Jericho to be the champion, it's this right here. He could yeah. have the title stolen from him and turn it into a merchandising opportunity. Yeah, so they'll, they'll make millions off of him just randomly saying a little bit of the bubbly. Or what, whatever it comes out of his mouth. You know what I mean? Like, no, this is this to me, the, between the title, getting, the losing the title and the whole bubbly thing. This is proof that Chris Jericho is the right first champion for AEW. So is this all a work? Do you think this was all set up? Do you think somebody legitimately stole this title uh, when he like when he wasn't looking in some sleight of hand? Or do you I mean, this feels pretty kind of orchestrated, if I'm being honest. It sounds to me like he accidentally left it in the limo, said it was lost and the limo driver. I don't know, maybe he found it and tossed it by the side of the road because he wanted nothing to do with it, wanted, wanted no one to think he stole it. You know what I mean? It, it does sound to me like just a comedy of errors. How to be do you accidentally with. leave the inaugural AEW championship belt in a limo? I've left a lot of shit in taxis. I've left a lot of shit in taxis before, including iPhones and laptops. I don't know that I could leave behind. Have you seen that belt? It's massive. <laughs> it's a huge belt. Like, how do you forget belt. that thing? Or just like, oh, yeah, I forgot it. Oh Well, well anyway. I don't know. You'd have to ask Chris Jericho, Nick. But before we talk to Chris Jericho, we have a show to do, which means, Nick, we have to head on over and talk about Monday Night Raw. Boy, we have uh, we had some big big happenings happen on Raw, but there wasn't a lot that happened on Raw. So I think we're going to go through these what? really quickly so we can get to the pay per views. Right? Okay. That didn't make a lot of sense. There was like one big thing. Right? Have you been having too much of the bubbly, Nick? Maybe the the big thing we've got to talk about here at the top of the of our segment for Raw is Sasha and Becky. Yes. And I'm going to let you break this down because you're much better at all of this. But I oh, I enjoyed this Raw because it felt like there were two major storylines that happened across the entirety of the show and frankly even carried into SmackDown Live the following night. So this it isn't just like one little 20 minute segment that happened. This this carried on throughout the course of the week frankly. It but was what went down with Sasha and Becky. Yeah, so this was this was part of a major storyline for this entire week. We know that Paul Heyman is writing specifically for Sasha Banks, not only her promos, but her storyline. This had Paul Heyman all over it. Uh, not only the promos that were cut where uh, Becky Lynch had an in-ring promo where she called Sasha Banks a little blue-haired freak. Uh, <laughs> and Sasha Banks came out to to retort, and they had a great back-and-forth um, Sasha Banks saying that you're only popular because your face was broken by Nia Jax. Um, and, and then Sasha having a great little turn where she was saying that she doesn't fight for free. She's a prize fighter. She's there uh, to only for the championship or for money. Um they challenge each other or to a match of Clash of Champions. 
And uh, uh, Sasha says, after Clash of Champions, the man is going to be the boss's bitch. Okay. So typical, right. typical wrestling writing there. But the delivery was fantastic on both parts. The, the writing was great. But here is where the meat happens, is that later on in the evening, we had a match where Becky Lynch and Bayley were, uh, having, were having a match with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, the current women's tag team champions. Uh, they build this as a champion versus champion match where you have Raw and SmackDown women's champions versus the women's tag champions. All right, that's fun. Uh, we knew at some point Sasha was going to get involved. She did. She actually came down and interrupted the end of the match, smacking uh, Becky with a chair. Well, actually gave her a backstabber and then smacked her with a chair, started beating her up. Bailey runs in for the save, grabs that chair out of Sasha's hands. They have a tense stare down before Bailey hits Becky with the chair. He'll turn. Confirmed. Bailey is now siding with Sasha Banks as a heel against Becky. That's how we went home on the show. Was the crowd losing their minds that, ba- that Bailey had turned and was now beating up Becky Lynch? So, ooh, where do we start with this, Nick? Let's start with Bailey. Is this the best thing that could have happened to Bailey at this point? Uh, I don't know. I kind of I, I <laughs> thought I thought she needed a good foil besides Charlotte Flair. Uh, I'm not mad at it. I, I I never saw it coming. Openly admit right. that. I knew they would get into there. It was a, obvious that they were going to get into something with the two of them. This isn't what I would have expected. I mean, you guys have heard me say what I thought should have happened at SummerSlam. You know, ad nauseum. But ad, okay, okay. Why yeah. why didn't you do this when you were the tag champs a year ago? Well, <laughs> so, I would love to know when the, like the idea for this started, when the, when the germination began on this, when they stopped other programs and said, let's do this. If it was this week, if it was before SummerSlam, and they said, oh, let's actually make this work so that Sasha comes back, attacks Becky, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Bailey turn. I'd love to know when this all began. All I know is right now, as I look at the landscape of the women's division, we'll talk more about this on SmackDown because more stuff happened on SmackDown. This, to me, is one of the smartest moves they could have made with the dynamics of the women's division. There was too many bland baby faces, Bailey being the worst example of it, where she just there was just nothing going on. Her character was pretty much, in my opinion, dead. The whole idea of she's sweet, she's a hugger, but yet sometimes she gets aggressive. You know, at this point, that perception of Bailey was just murdering her her perception by the audience. She got more heat more boos, and also more cheers this week that she's gotten maybe since her debut. Like She got massive amounts of reactions from this. Keep in mind, also, she is the SmackDown Women's Champ. If Sasha beats Becky at Clash of Champions, that means that you now have these two women, you have these two heels as champs on the two brands. That is a really good dynamic shift yeah. across the board. So I think not only does this help Bailey immensely. It helps the whole division just by a little tweak. And all of a sudden, everything opens up a lot. My only question is, and maybe maybe we can answer this on SmackDown, is do they change or tweak her gimmick? Will this be like an Io Shirai and NXT thing where all of a sudden we get dark Bailey and she gets a whole gimmick change? Or will it be like, like a Sami Zayn where the gimmick doesn't change, he just becomes obnoxious? Uh, her goody two-shoes bit becomes hypocrisy. Like, is that how she changes? There's a there's a picture floating around online being shared as, quote, new Bailey. I'll do air quotes here and say that. 
I don't Dude, know, Bailey. I, 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 yeah, she's got her hair slicked back and the no side pony kind of thing going on. And I don't know. I feel like that's an old NXT picture. But uh, but I don't know. I mean, if it's being teased, it's it's going over pretty well. I think they could pull off something like that here because the Bailey stuff that has the Bailey buddies and all of that happy happy stuff has kind of worn thin with the universe uh, at this point. And I what I think that would be a strong move. It's just it, you got to commit like oh, like they did with EO. EO is a great reference that you just made there. Like they committed. They went all in with EO Shirai flipping. And that's what they're going to have to do with Bailey in order for this to like to work. If they half-ass it, or if they do like you were referring to the Sami Zayn thing, where she's just coming out being annoying, but still using the same Tron and music and buddies and all of that stuff, eh, not so much. So that that's where I'm at. Uh, go all in with it. Commit. New Tron, new music, new outfit. I mean, Sasha looks sinister in her new gear. The black and blue stuff that she's rocking now. Same thing for Bailey needs needs to happen. I would actually I would agree uh, in part, but again I want to discuss that on SmackDown when I can talk more about how they had the follow up to this Bailey's sure. response to this because that's really where I think that they're not going to change it and it might work. But we'll talk about that over on SmackDown. Uh, we've got Becky and Sasha official of Clash of Champions. I'm curious if Bailey will play a role. Bailey has a match, too. We'll talk about that. Let's wait till SmackDown because there's plenty more on Raw, including the fact that the OC were, are basically doing, Nick, what we've always wanted a damn stable to do on WWE TV. Show up in a bunch of different spots, beat up people completely randomly, and then run away. Not only did they come out to interrupt a contract signing between Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman, uh, they yelled at Michael Cole. AJ yelled at Michael Cole, which might have been the greatest thing AJ Styles has ever done in the WWE. Uh, they interrupted the whole thing, caused a big scuffle, and uh, it ended up in a, in a tag match, the OC versus uh, Seth and Braun, which, of course, as you would imagine, ended up uh, with the whole bunch of shenaniganry at the end. But uh, AJ Styles got involved. You, you know how this goes. The, the bottom line here is we didn't get, the, uh, we didn't get the, the, the contract signed. Well, we did get the contract signed. AJ tore it up. So we're getting another contract signing next week with Stone Cold Steve Austin in Madison Square Garden. That should be fun. Already we're having some tension between Strowman and Stone Cold. And I like where that's going. Uh, but in addition to this, we also have the OC backstage randomly beating up Cedric Alexander. They're, they just feel like the kind of a-hole bullies running around and beating people up. Is this the perfect use for the OC? Yes. They're, they're firing on all cylinders right now. Um, I, this is exactly what I want to see out of this. I, I wish it wasn't – I wish it was just Seth – it's interesting though, because we—it's been circling the the U.S. title. It's it's circling the um, tag team titles on Raw now as well, and then you've got the sidebar sidecar story of the Universal title with Braun and Seth. So in a weird way, it's all kind of like intermixing together. And I I I'm along for the ride at this point. I've kind of let go of the reins and I'm just enjoying the ride because these are like all my favorite guys in wrestling, pretty much. All just doing one giant massive program across. Three different titles. Right. And I, I'm kind of just, oh, yep, take me along for the ride. I'm good. Uh, that's where my I should, head's at. I, should, I, I don't think they're doing anything wrong right now with any of these guys. I should actually clarify. AJ got involved in the match. And then, uh, as you said, the tag team titles got involved because there is a match uh, for the tag titles against Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. Excuse me, Robert Roode Robert. at Clash of Champions. They got involved at the end, and the OC and Ziggler Roode stood tall. 
we didn't see any other kind of teaming up between the two teams. Aside from that, although Ziggler and Rude did have a match against Hawkins and Ryder later in the show, that was a pretty much just an enhancement match for them. Um, I guess, I guess, kind of what I'm looking at here is this is this is unlike any stable we've seen recently on the main roster of WWE. They're letting these guys run wild. They're letting AJ be fun. I feel like he cut his own promo there. He was he when was the last time he's been that loose in a promo. The promo he cut as he walked to the ring. He I felt think, loose. I think he that's them getting com- getting giving him the level of confidence that they need uh, that he needs to be able to go out there and do that. A, a lot of the times these guys that are really good at cutting promos, we talked about this with Kevin Owens sometimes. If you hamstring them with a script, uh, it, it makes it worse than it would be if they just went out there and did their own thing. And you know, definitely want AJ to have that kind of free reign. But I, I do I don't think he's that good yet where he still needs some kind of guidance and at least a, a bullet point list of like, hey, land the plane, hit these targets. It uh, feels like that's what out. he got and he yeah. just had fun with it. So yeah. I no, I like what they're doing with all this. I even liked how Ziggler and Ruder presented here where they were just kind of other assholes that were around uh, that are going for the title for the titles on Braun and Seth. In fact, every aspect of this kind of triumvirate here. Uh, is interesting to me. You have the tag titles and the universal title on Seth and Braun, which initially we were kind of grumbling about because why have all your titles there? Uh, AJ's the U.S. champ. We still don't know who's facing him at Clash of Champions. Been to be determined. But uh, it could be Cedric Alexander after this beatdown this week. But uh, at the same time, you got all the heels working together. You have a whole bunch of titles in the picture. But there's and there's a whole bunch of individual programs being run at the same time. It gives us a lot of things to think about and a lot of things to be invested in, and it keeps things just complex enough to be interesting, but not so complex we can't follow it. Right. And that's good storytelling. And I and I thought that both shows this week were really strong as a result of this exact kind of thing. So you know, again, whether it's I don't know if it's Paul or not, but things have changed since Paul took over. So. Hey, we're, for right now, we're going to say good job, Paul. This is this is all interesting stuff, and it's uh, it's keeping the way that this is all being stirred around. It's keeping it all very interesting, at least to me. Yeah. Uh, in addition, on top of all that, we have the King of the Rings still going on. So it's there's another good. whole bunch of things that uh, this it's getting real good. It's getting interesting. First of all, you had Baron Corbin versus Cedric Alexander, and I'm going to do something crazy, Nick, and say that this was it was nowhere near my match of the week because you know we had all those pay per views. But in right. terms of like the weekly programming, this was one of my favorite matches of the week. A Baron Corbin match. Nick, what is happening? What's it happening? It's really good. The world, is, <laughs> the world is turning upside down. The frogs falling from the sky. Cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. Bizarro world in Surrey and Dangerous' head. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it might have been Baron's best match ever. Um, yeah. Is this... I mean, are we really seeing Baron's two colors? Was this Cedric Alexander that brought him to this good match? Was this? Do you think this is like? Is he turning a, a corner here? What what happened? Why did the, why was this so I good? I think I think in was a way crowd? we've always known Baron had this kind of capability, and we've always speculated as to whether or not he was holding back or he was. You know, we used to we used to rib him for putting his hands up to block instead of taking the shot, right? So little things like that. I'm wondering if he's just maturing as an in-ring performer. I want to give him some of the credit there uh, as, you know, maturing in the years that he's been in WWE now. 
uh, at the same time, I feel like there's a level of confidence, especially this last 8 to 12 months. I mean, if we go back a year, going into the fall season of 18, he was kind of the, on top of the world in that angle with um, uh, angle with Kurt Angle. Uh, for Over the GM uh-huh. thing, he had goons in Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. All of that stuff was going on. He And then coming into before the Royal Rumble, the whole thing, with, they put a lot of weight and confidence in Baron Corbin. And I'm wondering oh, sure. if this is the payoff that we've kind of been waiting to get off the back of that. Is this, is this his get back? Um, because I, wonder, I could I, really you know, see King Corbin at the end of this, oh. to be honest. I, you do realize that I, I called King Corbin on the first show we talked about the King of the Ring. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> I, I, was, I was sarcastic, but I did call it. And the more that we go through this, the more I think, A, that's likely, B, that's a good idea, and C, I'm not even mad at it. No. Uh, I think that Baron still has a ways to go. Like He's got to do a few more good matches. Again, I asked if it was Cedric that made this match good, and I think that there is something to that because Cedric, his bread and butter – is playing the plucky baby face who's in peril, who keeps gritting back. I think we can officially say, Nick, his career in WWE is based on being able to play that against Kota Ibushi in, this, in the Cruiserweight Championship, right? That first yeah. match, the crowd lost its mind for him and chanted, please sign Cedric after the match because he was going up against a guy who was positioned in that tournament as one of the best in the world, heavy favorite to win. Cedric was nobody. And he came into that match like a bullet shot out of a gun and made everyone a believer. This felt very similar to that, how Cedric performed in this match. He was fighting upwards the entire time. Uh, his energy was in the right place. He and Baron had great chemistry. I think a lot of this was, was Cedric as well. Let's see if Baron can keep the momentum going here. I know I said the M word. Um, so, but, but right now, this is looking good. What is looking bizarre, and I did not see this coming a mile away was the other side of the King of the Ring tournament on Raw, Samoa Joe versus Ricochet, ending in a double pin. A double pin. Yeah, uh, Joe took Ricochet for a Russian reverse Russian leg sweep off the top second rope or something like that, and they both fell with an arm on each other. All right. four shoulders well, down. Joe was John to choke Cone, him out. Jo- yeah, John Cone had to uh, go to the headset. I don't remember ever seeing anybody go to the actual headset. Uh, in oh, in recent memory, uh, well, I'm, let me be hyperbolic. It hasn't happened in the second. last the last three weeks, so it hasn't happened. Short term <laughs> memory loss. Yes, you're playing right into Vince McMahon's game, Nick. Anyway, goes to the headset. They don't make a decision. The Ricochet and, uh, and Samoa Joe are both left in the ring, going, "Hey, man, who who's the winner? Who won?" Who's and the we were winner? all left hanging as well. And you know who the winner was? No one declared Nobody. a tie. So now we're gonna have a triple threat next week. Samoa Joe versus Ricochet versus Corbin. Oh, boy. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's really good stuff. Unpredictable, crazy, and we're going to have an absolutely amazing match next week. That's, like, that's going to be very exciting to watch, and it's kind of thrown my pickums for a whirl because <laughs> uh, any one of those guys could come out of that, frankly, even though I kind of think it's going to be Corbin. Right. Uh, especially seeing as what's happening over on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah it's going to be Corbin. Yeah. Uh, that being said, a couple more things on Raw, then let's move on. Uh, Lacey Evans beat Natalia clean. Yeah. I don't, I, they're trying to rehab Lacey, I guess, after getting beaten, but they're trying to do it. But they're doing it by having her face Natalia. So not good helping. luck with that guys. That's yep. not helping. Uh, Miz beat Cesaro because Lord knows we can't have Cesaro stay looking good after NXT UK. 
uh, have him get too much shine. That would suck. But I think they had to do this to make Miz look good to face Shinsuke. Because he's going to take that icy eh. title right off of him. No, he's absolutely not. The fact that they're letting him beat Cesaro, this is, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, Nick, this is going to disappoint you. Uh, but yeah, I feel bad for Cesaro, but you know, yay Miz. Uh, Rey Mysterio discussed his career, the fact he's not quitting thanks to his son Dominic, who has convinced him to continue. Uh, I know you're salivating Nick because now Dominic's in the picture and Ray's in the picture, and your your crazy booking fantasy from the uh, the bonus episode might come true. So if you're not a patron yet, guys, join up, join join as a patron. You can hear what Nick booked for the year, and uh, you'll never be the same again. Right. Again. Uh, we also had the uh, War Machine Raiders of Viking experience defeated uh, mm, to the notes. Tyler Hastings and Brian Thomas. What a shock. It's another Monday Night Raw and another Viking Raiders squashing enhancement talents. Nick, when – I thought there was an end in sight. Last week we had tag team turmoil, and afterwards the Viking Raiders and the OC, uh, they were mutually disqualified and they cut promos on each other. I thought we were going to get an OC Viking Raiders – program is there any end in, to this in sight like what's going on uh i have no idea <laughs> I, after you you brought up tag team turmoil and i almost threw up in my mouth a little bit um based on what happened at, at that thing last week i i just can't i literally can't even with ziggler and rude but anyway um i i don't know what's going on it's war machine why do we keep calling them viking it's war machine War Machine is kind of lost right now. And how many times like in the a- last year or two have we seen them squander a tag team like this? And I think I unfortunately I believe that War Machine is just going to be yet another that just gets squandered and left as carrion on the side of the road. Unfortunately. We'll see. Heavy machinery. Heavy machinery would beg to differ with you. I'm sorry. I mean AOP would beg to differ. I'm sorry. I mean uh the street profits would beg to differ with you. <clears throat> Or do we? We don't know about them yet. All right, but yes, I agree. I, I think this is ju- this is just painful every week that the Viking Raiders are not being used appropriately, and it's nope. just basically they were they were hamstrung, like uh, like in Pet Cemetery, the original. They just, they just cut their tendons. The first week, Gage was under the bed and just went cut their tendons that first week, and it's just all downhill from there. Hopefully, there's some rehab they can do. Just take them back, let them be a couple of <laughs> bikers or something. Take away the Viking name. Reset. Hard reset. Viking bikers. Uh, yes. Yeah. So finally, Nick, this is, a, this is kind of a bigger one we got to talk about. <sighs> Firefly Funhouse. A fantastic Firefly Funhouse, by the way, which saw uh, Bray Wyatt. By the way, he got caught on social media. Uh, well, WWE, I don't know if you call it getting caught. Uh, the arena here in Sacramento tweeted out that they were basically, when WWE booked the arena, they said, hey, the, you know, here's, the, here's the matches we're going to have. This is where you, how you can promote this thing. Here are the matches we're going to have. And one of the matches they said they were going to have was Bray Wyatt versus either Braun Strowman or Seth Rollins. For the, Bray Wyatt for the Universal title was what they advertised. And the internet kind of went, what? Everyone's saying, why is, the, why is the Fiend challenging for the Universal title already? Nick, what was the phrase you used? WWE, can you keep it in your pants? Yeah, for a while. Is that is that the the right phrase? No, but they they're gonna gonna screw it up, guys. (laughs) Well, the question is, you know, they always advertise these matches, you know, ahead of the show, and most of the time they don't actually happen. If someone's in a program right now, you advertise that program for the show, 
and you know cards subject to change. That's kind of the golden rule. So, but the thing is, usually it's people that are in a program right now. You advertise Kofi versus Randy Orton because they're in a program. You can assume they'll probably still be in a program by that time. No one's going to raise an eyebrow at that. This, you raise an eyebrow at because wh- what he's had a match. He's like the the universal title, really. That Already? is eyebrow raising. Yeah. yeah. So this Firefly Funhouse kind of dealt with that. They poked fun at it. The Vince McMahon puppet said, you know, what are you doing? Challenging people on social media. Bray Wyatt stuffed a bunch of dollars in his mouth uh, to shut him up. It was, it was fun. But it did sound, Nick, in this, like he was challenging either, I mean, the winner of Strowman Rollins or maybe even both of them. And he said, I'll see you in hell and hell in a cell. Um... Uh, do you think this is a, a swerve? Is he going to be going for the title? Is he just going to have a match? What is happening here? Break this down. Break this down for me. Um, we even saw a backstage segment where Seth and Braun were talking after this uh, and talking and just kind of flippantly blowing off uh, uh, Bray Wyatt and all of that. So I, look, I, for me, this is too soon. Way too soon. Yes. A, I don't want to see him killing legends for much longer with mandible clawing them. As entertaining as it is and as much as it works, it's better than going out and squashing jobbers. I kind of like the idea of what they've been doing with The Fiend showing up out of nowhere, mandible claw on a legend. Ha, 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 ha. Go off, right? Stage left. Sure. But he needs to have some more matches first. This yeah. is This is a bit much. And... I, I'm not saying it's out of the picture long term. I'm saying give Braun a title reign for a little bit. Have him and Seth go back and forth. Maybe, maybe Braun's the new Brock. Uh, he's the new monster to, uh, you know, be able to supplant. But somehow Finn gets back involved in the picture come spring. Maybe Royal Rumble picks up the Universal title, and somehow we end up with Bray, Fiend versus Demon at WrestleMania. Look, I mean, if if I was writing <laughs> no. shit, that's that's how I'm going down is the end oh, game here, guys. Forget everything that they're doing. The end game here is Demon versus Fiend. It's not if, Your it's end when. Game. Your end game. Not necessarily sure. theirs, but yes, yes. That it's, would be a nice, and I, and I agree with you, Nick. That would be a nice end game, Fiend versus uh, Demon at WrestleMania, based on where we're standing right now. I'm going to throw something at you, though. Okay. And this is kind of, a, this is kind of a, a weird thing for you to think about, but bear with me. Okay. Um. And, and actually, this is kind of – I saw B-Bosh put this in the chat here, and this is, this is uh, something I want to address as well. And B-Bosh said he feels too big to be beating mid-carters anymore. And I kind of thought about that for a second, and I was thinking about a couple other things. Who like, – if, if The Fiend comes out and squashes, I don't know, Ali, Ricochet, whoever, someone on that level but not quite main event – does it matter? Do we care? Or is it like a cool little spectacle and then we're starting to get bored with it already? Right? Maybe, maybe the most exciting thing they could do with The Fiend is have him on his second ever match take the Universal title and then be the new monster. Instead of Braun Strowman, who never really shows up on TV and has matches, the new monster is The Fiend. And he's never been beaten. And no one even really knows what he is. He's almost mythical in terms of his presence and his aura, he's terrifying. And he's your champ. And he not only that, he beat, let's say, Seth Rollins in the cell demonstrably. 
Would not that be a more exciting head monster to have than a Brock Lesnar? Well, yes. Than a Brock Lesnar, <laughs> yes. Well, that, uh, that, that that's alone, a simple yeah. one to answer. Um, I almost want to see the work get put in, though, for it to be believable and for me to get on board sure. with it. I, that's what I was saying. I like what they've done so far. I'm okay, kind of so along me, for the ride. Let me then throw this out to you. Looking back at Paul Heyman's booking in ECW, if this is Paul Heyman, if Paul Heyman's the one saying, let's make the Fiend the champ, if it's not Vince, if Paul is the one saying, let's make the Fiend the champ, look at how Paul booked Taz. Look at even how he, when he was, when the ECW roster was decimated and he had to go and find new talent to put it up to get the title to, he got Rhino. And he took a guy who in WWE never really got above mid card and he made that guy the most terrifying monster you've ever seen in your damn life. And he gave him the championship and everyone was terrified of him. That's how Paul books his top dudes. To, uh, when, you're, when you're a monster, you're a terrifying monster. If he can actually make that work with The Fiend, it could actually be some really good booking. It Just could. throwing that out. Uh, the, the, I think the As one it, other thing I'll throw in here is I would like to see The Fiend not really have a heel-face dynamic or be locked into that paradigm. And, and what I mean by that is I want to see him equally beat down faces and heels. So it, let's let's play this out hypothetically. Corbin does win King of the Ring. King Corbin, but just badass heel at this point. I still yes. want Fiend to come out and like beat the shit out of him and whoop. I want him Agreed. to beat everybody. Like everybody. I don't want there to no, be that's... a distinction, a, no alliances. He is a demon. Yes. He ha he if he's gonna be mythical and fantastical and all of that stuff, then by God, beat the hell out of everybody. <laughs> but and, no, and he need, talking, but we need to yeah. establish that first. Before we go strap him, that's that's my one thing that do. I'm hung up I on. I think you can. You do. You can't strap him and then have him murder people. This could be like if you're if people have been comparing Bray Wyatt to the Undertaker for years and years and years. If you make him a supernatural entity like the Undertaker, who can take the title and hold it for a long time, give him. A, I mean, a Taker didn't, but they were tossing the titles around like popcorn back in his day anyway. But if you can have the Fiend hold on to it for most of the year, squash the hell out of anybody, face or heel that comes at him. You establish it after the fact. If he murders Seth and then murders everyone who comes at him, he's the new monster. Yeah. And frankly, a much more interesting monster than Brock Lesnar. So that's just that's a little, I, I don't know if you want to call it devil's, devil's advocate, but like a little something to chew on uh, while we're considering The Fiend has this title match. It, it's so, what you've been saying all along. You have to let him win. And, and yes, if it's yes. what you just described where he goes on this dominant reign of three to six months and nobody can topple the fiend. Yeah, I'm I'm in for that. You've just legitimized the best gimmick to come along in WWE in several decades. So, Bang. that's exactly exactly what I'm talking about, Nick. So, a little something to think about there before everyone panics about Bray Wyatt getting a title shot. It could actually be pretty awesome. Be uh yeah, it could. Uh that being said, Nick, we've got a lot more show, so let's move on over and talk about SmackDown Live. Well, hey, before we get too far into SmackDown Live, just wanted to say thanks to the Going In Raw podcast and Brian Hilton for subbing to the channel and Raymond Ortiz with the dollar in the tip jar. Thank you very oh, much, thank you. you guys, for coming along with this ride with us. Enjoy the show. Uh, SmackDown Live. Bailey cuts a promo, and they, her and Sasha beat down Charlotte. 
Um, <laughs> the, the saga continues here. Um, like we said, this has th- this went on throughout the week. It, it was it was hard for me to describe, like nailing it down into one small particular segment of what happened on Raw because this kind of transcended any of the individual shows this week and even through social media and other avenues on YouTube and Twitter. I mean, it just it was kind of one big story throughout the entire week. Um, As but your big yeah, story so, should be. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I I loved it in combination with Seth Braun, the OC, and all that other stuff. And like those were the two major WWE lines that were going on this week uh, with King of the Ring off to the side. Uh, but yeah, Bailey comes out, cuts a promo, basically you know talks trash to Charlotte. Charlotte comes out. Uh, Charlotte just attacks Bailey, and of course out comes Sasha Banks, and they just absolutely wore out Charlotte with a chair. They did. Woo. Bailey uh, Bailey needs to be taught how to hit someone with a chair. Sasha knows. Yeah. Bailey, <laughs> don't think she's hit a lot of people with chairs in her career. Uh, she needs yeah. to someone someone teach this girl how to hit someone with a chair. That being said, no one needs to teach. I mean, I've been down on Bailey for her lackluster promos for the last few weeks. I not this week. Her promo was fantastic. It was a great, just hypocritical heel promo. Hey, I'm doing this for the kids. Um, I, I wanted to make these kids feel the way that I felt as a kid. Now I have the opportunity, and I'm showing you kids that you have to be loyal. It's not about who's good and who's bad. It's about loyalty, and I'm loyal to Sasha Banks. Why don't you see this? <laughs> and, and it's great because we know she's a heel. We know she's lying outside of her face, and so she's being like, – like, that is what I was going to talk about uh, when we got here relative to what we're saying on raw is what is the what is the twist they're going to put on the bailey character she's still bailey but now she is hypocritical now she yeah. is saying all the stuff about love and hugs and loving everybody but she's going to say that and then go and do these horrible heelish things fantastic i think that's an easy way to tweak the character keep her still bailey but make us hate her yeah. So I'm, you know, and it, it, we can just see those wacky, wave, wavy, inflatable arm people, uh, whatever they're called, and uh, and we see them. We, oh, those damn things! I hate them. Whereas before, we're like, oh, those things are cool. Oh, oh, oh. They're 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 wacky and they're wavy and they're they're flailing. Yeah. Oh. So no, I I loved her promo here. Um, so now that we've got it all out here, right? Charlotte still, by the way, presenting herself kind of heelishly. She said, "I am what I am." There's no, you know, I'm, it's all about me. That's just who I am. You get, you get what you see, but you're, you're two-faced Bailey, but it's basically what she said. So Charlotte is, she's somewhere between a heel and a face. Becky's kind of between a heel and a face, somewhere between a heel and a face because she's, you know, like the, the badass face who doesn't mind beating people up and perhaps bending the rules as long as she wins. And then you have just completely evil Sasha and hypocritical evil Bailey. That's a really interesting set of dynamics between the four horsewomen. Yep. And it means that they all play off each other in new, kind of new ways than what they did five days ago before Monday Night Raw. Um, yeah, and and also makes- the interesting part here for me, though, is that we're finally getting to see something interesting happening with the four horsewomen of NXT. Like it, it, well, they've done it individually or you know in pairs over the course of the last few years. But now I feel like they're the four women at the top of the women's division of WWE. They and all have been, but this is the first yeah. time I felt like Bailey is really on even footing. Sure. Uh, always before she felt like the, like a like a slight step behind the other three. It's also the first time I really feel like 
Charlotte might be on a back foot here where they might actually book Sasha and Bailey stronger than Charlotte just because she, they outnumber her. You know what I mean? I think Sasha, uh, I think uh, Bailey will beat Charlotte. Not I, I, Before this week, I thought Charlotte was going to run over Bailey. They were just like, oh God, the yep. Bailey experiment isn't working. Get it back on Charlotte. Get it back on Charlotte. Now I'm like, oh no, Sasha can come help Bailey. Bailey can come help Sasha. And those two are going to be the champs after Clash of Champions. And they're, you know, that's, I, I, that's fantastic booking, I would, I would think. And then have Charlotte, you know, in a very uncharacteristic position where she's having to chase against a heel while still kind of being, you know, she's like, I, I've never been disempowered this way. So I think it's a, a fantastic new dynamic that they're finding here with the four women. It makes me very excited for what they have going forward. It's, do you, and it's do again, a little tweak. Do you think very quickly they – well, right now they're fighting over the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships, currently held by Becky and Bayley, respectively. Do you right. think they steer uh, Bayley and Sasha Banks back in the direction of Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to get the Women's Tag Championships? You mean after they win the, they win the two Women's Championships and then they yep. get the Tag Championships and just belt them up? Yep. Mm-hmm. Could do. I don't think they should. I, again, I, we, we've established we don't like – multi-champ uh, runs or, you know, they have too many belts. Sure. That might be a little much. Maybe, I mean, mm, yeah. We have all the belts. <laughs> I have to think about, yeah, that's a little much. But at the same time, it's the possibilities there. They have a lot of possibilities now. And I, I think they did a good job making Bailey heel and how they presented her here. What they did not do a good job and continue to not do a good job at is the, uh, <laughs> the Roman Reigns Daniel Bryan and Rowan story uh, this week. I, I'm I'm even a little bit confused about what the heck is going on now, because uh, Daniel Bryan continuing to say I'm not a liar. I had nothing to do with this. Rowan's the liar. Uh, Roman now has Roman now owes me an apology for spearing me and accusing me of something I didn't do. Uh, Rowan owes me an apology for going behind my back and attacking Roman Reigns and then lying about it. <sighs> And then I'm over, uh, I'm over this. I, I was then, done with it two weeks ago. I'm over it now. Well, but here's the here's the problem: is that then Roman comes out to get Daniel Bryan again and is attacked from behind by Rowan, who uh, says, "I'm no longer with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan's a horrible person. I'm I'm on my own." And we're gonna have Rowan versus Roman at Clash of Champions. So great. I feel like this is a train that left the tracks about half a mile, maybe a mile back and is currently trundling through the underbrush on its own inertia, heading towards a cliff. Uh, and there's all kinds of passengers inside screaming and yelling, saying, this wasn't the plan, this was never the plan. And the conductor's like, I have no idea where I was going in the first place. Uh, this just happened. I'm just letting it go where it's going. It's and like one really of those Wild West show. scenes where the robbers with the little Hamburglar masks like blow up the wooden trundle bridge, and the train just careens down into the canyon. So they're like in yeah. mid-flight right now, and they're just like, oh, there's nothing we can do now. It's it's hold on for the ride, folks, because we got it's another like extended edition of the promo package this week recapping everything, including <laughs> Daniel Bryan coming out last week saying, I'm not a liar, I'm not a liar. Yeah, oh, God. I actually thought, I don't, I don't remember seeing it on Raw, I actually thought we were going to get through a week without that video package this week, and nope. I was going, oh. Nope. Nope. Didn't, get, nope. didn't make it. And the thing is, is it's, it's like you said, it's that Wild West train scene, only if it was directed by David Lynch. And I'm actually right. going to steal one from Andy here in the chat. Current champ, by the way, current patron champ, Andy, 
in the chat here. Uh, he says it, they must watch Scooby-Doo before it. Um, Andy, Scooby-Doo actually at least has some plot behind it. And like you can kind of figure out where they're going. When they finally unmask Old Man Withers at the end, you kind of go, oh, that made sense. I don't, and I don't it only think- took 22 minutes. <laughs> it only took the time of a current recap of the Rowan and Roman and Brian right. feud. The, the, in the time that they do this recap, you could do an entire Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah, this is this is this has gotten terrible. Um, actually, there's a, a a Wrestling Observer reported that um, an insider in WWE, you know, who knows how legit this source is, but they they reported it, so we'll just we'll we'll echo it. They said that the uh, someone inside WWE says there was originally a plan for this, but now it has gotten so far off that original plan. There's no way that anyone can explain what that original plan was and how it relates to where they are now. It is just completely off the rails. And this is what happens when you have Vince come in at the last minute for the last three weeks of of SmackDown, tear up the script and be like, we're going to do this this week, pal. You know, you're you're hot-shotting week to week. No one knows where you're going, and we end up here. Go out there and call Rowan a liar and just slap him repeatedly in the face. Yeah, do that, pal. That will not work. Um, at least Rowan had a good shirt this week. He had Actorum, Actorum, excuse me, Actorum, uh, another troll metal band. Um, I actually know, I know very little about Actorum. I'm not to check them out because I do like me some troll metal. Shout out to Finn Troll. Uh, but yeah, the less said about Roman and Rowan, the better because that just took up too much of SmackDown. Let's go talk about the King of the Ring, Nick, which was a lot more entertaining. Elias actually had a fantastic match against Ali. Kind of similar to Corbin and Cedric, where Ali did Ali did a great job making Elias look fantastic. But yeah. was it nice to actually see Elias have a proper match and like a, a well worked match? Was this a nice change? Did it make you believe in Elias a little bit more? Yeah, I liked that he had an entrance. He had the guitar slung over his shoulder like a rifle, almost like he was coming out for battle. Uh, his music got his music playing. It wasn't just a you know that lower chord, whatever. I, I just I want this more this is kind of when Elias first debuted I felt like this is kind of what I was I was promised and then it turned into almost a meme of itself where he just comes (laughs) out and plays songs and tears down whatever city he's in this is kind of what I I was really high on Elias in the beginning he's kind of got that archetype build he's got a good finisher in the drift away he's got a good move good look and the musical ability, I mean, those are kind of, and the comedy in a sense. So he kind of checks off all the boxes, right, of somebody that should do really well. And, and it, man, if they let him continue with this, again, I'm getting, I'm, I'll get excited about Elias again uh, because this was fantastic. Agreed. And, and I think that they need to give him more opportunities. Uh, but he is hit or miss as a wrestler. I remember him having a match with Shinsuke back in NXT, and it was just, it was, it was Shinsuke's first bummer of a match. So, yeah, I, you know, if they can keep him on a roll like this, great. But all I know is this week, it was very nice to see. We also had a actually relatively quick match between Chad Gable and Andrade Cien Almas. Uh, Chad got, uh, he's just been, they're keeping out the short jokes. They even had uh, Zelina Vega say, as someone else who's vertically challenged, I'm going to let you know, like, you're just lie down for Andrade, basically. But yeah. he didn't. And he ended up rolling up Andrade and getting the surprise win. Um, and, Chad Gable's moving on. Andrade is not. There goes my my thought that you might have El Rey, Andrade Cien Almas, as the uh, king of the ring. But no, Gable's going on to face Elias next week. 
Um, I'm just going to say this right now, Nick. You've got Ricochet, Corbin, and Joe on one side. You've got Gable and Elias on the other side. Um, Joe cut a promo on, on Chad, of absolutely vicious, amazing Samoa Joe promo, uh, where he said, it's nothing to do with your height. You've been called that all your life. You're just mentally weak, which was, mm, God, Joe, just, mm. just talk to me. Just talk to me, Joe. Just, yeah. just say words in my direction. He's amazing. <laughs> um, do you think, do you think now looking at this, do you think we're going to get, it's either, cause here's the thing. You got two heels and a face on raw. You have a raw, a, a heel and a face on SmackDown. Are we going to get Elias versus Ricochet in the final, which to me sounds like a bummer final? Or are we going to get Chad Gable versus Baron Corbin or Chad Gable versus Samoa Joe? Because to me, having Joe cut that promo feels like a swerve. Yes, uh, I do think it's going to be Chad Gable. I just think it's going to be Baron Corbin. Agreed. I think it's going to be Corbin Gable. Corbin goes over. Gable gets all depressed and goes and becomes Shorty G. Uh, I think it turns into actually a very surprising baller match. I, I want to oh, give Gable a little bit of credit there. I think those two are going to put on a hell of a match uh, for that final. That Not taking anything away from the triple threat. Like, how many times in the NFL have we gotten to a point where, like, the AFC Championship game was better than what the Super Bowl ended up being? You know, for example. Uh, I think the triple threat match for the left side of the bracket stands to be better than what either combination of the actual final will end up being because you've got it's Elias and Chad Gable like not Andrade like not anybody else that was over there it's Elias and Chad Gable so I I'm going eh, how do I get excited about that I don't know uh new guys new potential all that stuff new opportunity I appreciate all of that but it, it's, it's Baron Corbin it's going to be Baron, Baron Corbin. Corbin at this point at this point I, to me I can't see anything else but Baron Corbin uh that being said Baron Corbin ain't the only big man causing havoc over on uh, the old WWE. Randy Orton came out to the ring, cut a promo on Kofi Kingston, and then uh, basically beat the crap out of him with the help of Revival. I really don't know uh, how to summarize this any better than that. That's pretty much what happened. Randy talked smack about Kofi, had him beat up. That was pretty much it. Um, do you feel like this feud is not getting as much love as, like, I don't know, say the women's division or even the Roman Reigns storyline, and if so, is that because of like Kofi's reign is kind of um, petering out or cooling off, or am yeah, I just about, am about I six weeks ago? Yeah. Oh about wow, six, weeks, six ago. weeks ago. Yeah. Remember, I was saying all that like I was. It was kind of like eh, on me a couple months ago. You know, halfway between yeah, you, Mania and SummerSlam. Yeah, but you have a very short attention span. This cooled on you very quickly. It, it did, yes. Um, and then, you know, I started seeing a little bit of fire. I like the idea of Randy Orton and Kofi. It just has not materialized into what I thought it could be. And I think yeah. that's that's where my disappointment... The potential is there, guys. Like, the potential oh, yes. with Randy Orton and Kofi is there. Uh, Randy Orton running around calling him stupid incessantly, that ain't it. They've driven <laughs> so, that into the ground. It's been yeah. too, It's too much now. And then we have to watch video packages almost as bad as the Daniel Bryan, Rowan, and Roman Reigns packages. They're starting to get that long, too. <laughs> yep. So it's it's just like browbeating you with the stupid, 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 stupid. And I just – you just tune out. I'm, I'm, I'm over it. Right. Go have a good match, but stop cutting promos of the same thing every week. Yeah, and, and I really want – I love them. I love the Super RKO with the Revival, but uh. – I don't know the whole the whole thing. Definitely, I'm start. It's starting to cool for me too, and that's a bad sign. 
because I'm a lot more forgiving than Mr. Nick Howell. Uh, yep. Nick, I got to ask you what you feel about this next match. Fire and Desire versus uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Uh, non-championship match. This was just to get basically get a shot at them at, at Clash of Champions. And they won with a new finishing move, which is like a variation of the high-low. Um, is this just... was Because, okay, let's, let's call a spade a spade. Bliss and Cross beat Fire and Desire handily two weeks ago. Um, should there be more story to this before a pay-per-view match? Are they just hot-shotting this to make this work really quickly? And why, uh, you know where I'm going with this. What's happening here? Why are they, they doing they, it this they, way? Do they, they, they have, have no plan? They, they have no plan. They have no idea what to do with a women's tag division. They have no idea what to do with the tag division, period. Much less the women's tag division. Uh, like, how do you make it exciting? Uh, I know, let's put it on Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross and completely yank them out of a program that was already ongoing for weeks with Bailey that was actually good. Because Sasha's coming back. We can't have all... But even they had a promo, they had a program going with each other. Like you could have taken Bailey and made her heel and yeah. then all of a sudden gone back and had, and it would have added, added an interesting twist to Nikki versus Alexa because now Bailey was saying, hey, Nikki, Alexa's going to turn on you. Well, now it looks like Alexa's actually a good friend and Bailey was a liar all along. Uh, I don't know. I agree. This is, uh, here's the thing though. Uh, and this is, this is going to be weird to say. I hope they have a good match at Clash of Champions. These are both good teams. I love all four of these women conditionally. Um, I think Alexa stepped behind all the other three, and Mandy but stepped behind. Alexa and Mandy a little bit less than, say, Bliss and, and DeVille. But, or, sorry, Cross and DeVille. But at the same time, I be, like this match proved they can put on a good match. This was an entertaining match. So yeah, I mean, they, they I, should I'm be having si some singles matches to set these up. Wins and losses, all that good stuff. Uh, and yeah, let's strap Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, and and let's see they're what not, happens. They're not getting Honestly. strapped, Nick. I hate to pop your bubble. Just All like right. Nakamura is not losing his title to Miz, and we had a match. Nakamura and Sami Zayn came out, and Nakamura beat a, a local guy named Andrew Howard, uh, while Zayn cackled and talked over the entire match on the outside of the ring. Yeah, that was uh, a little annoying. I, I've, that's kind of the point, <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved Nakamura with Zayn. I'm looking forward to this uh, this Miz match when they beat the crap out of Miz and send him packing to go have his kid, um, which is what's happening, Nick. I'm sorry to yeah, tell you. Yeah. And then Sami Zayn continues to be the annoying advocate for Nakamura. Uh, someone who doesn't need an advocate, Alistair Black, was sitting back in his stupid little room, and he finally got sick of waiting and started ripping off his, his dumb done-up collar and his tie, and he said, fine. The mountain not going to come to me. I'm going to go to the mountain. He went to the ring and was saying, someone challenge me. Well, I don't know why he didn't do this six weeks ago, Nick, and save us the trouble of watching all these stupid promos. Um, and he could, well, Maybe that would have meant we've seen more of his terrible entrance the way that they're shooting it now. But at least, Nick, he had a match. And that match was against Shelton Benjamin. Benjamin. Mm. Um... Does Aleister Black's horrible gimmick get saved by how awesome he is in the ring to you? Horrible gimmick? Oh, you're talking about the th sitting in the room thing. Uh, yeah. I agree with you. I, I think it's going to, like, hopefully we've seen the last of it. Fingers crossed. Uh, but yeah, I, I felt I that's that was what this was. It was almost a way of blowing off his own gimmick this week by just saying, F it, I'm going to take my clothes off and just go find somebody to pick a fight with me. Good! You know, Good! Thank you. So. Oh We've been God. waiting oh. for that. <laughs> yes. We've all been waiting, Alistair. Are you uh, frustrated? Not as frustrated as we are. We've uh, all wanted to kill ourselves with your horrible feud. 
Oh, you okay? You guys know this is this is like my this is my <laughs> albatross, the Alistair Black gimmick, and this whole thing. This is the thing that riles me up more than anything and else. And the creaking WWE. floor sounds uh, when he raises oh, up. Oh no! Out. Yeah, every aspect of what they've done to this guy since he split with Ricochet on the main roster has been the one thing that every week makes me want to huck something through the TV screen. So, and and at least he and Shelton had a good match. It made him look just absolutely insane he KO'd Shelton within like three minutes it was fantastic so hopefully let's stop with the room moping pontificating thing just have him come out and be a silent killer and dear god Kevin Dunn learn how to shoot an entrance Uh, finally on Smackdown Nick before I pop a gasket the (laughs) 24-7 championship shenanigans Drake Maverick was in the boiler room because you know that's just a place in every arena uh, down in the boiler room with his wife. They have not consummated their marriage yet because apparently Aunt Flo was in town. And uh, then they were attacked from every corner by the Singh brothers. Grand Metalik came floating past them on a cart for some reason. Uh, and then the B team attacked them. And I'll be damned, Nick, but your boy, your boy, Bray Wyatt's brother, uh, uh, <laughs> whose name I'm suddenly forgetting, uh, Bo Dallas pinned him and ran off with a championship, ended up in the middle of the ring during a match, and uh, Drake won it back. He tried to escape up the ramp. R-Truth was hiding up there dressed as the, I don't know, the lamp next to the King of the Ring chair. Uh, blended in perfectly. But he uh, he pinned Drake on the way out, and R-Truth is your new champ again. Do you think they should actually have this belt on other people besides Drake and R-Truth at the end of these shows? Because, you know, Bo had it for a second, a lot of people have had it for a second, um, but except for Maverick, R-Truth, and for a little bit, Elias, no one's held these belts between shows. Like, I, should anybody else be doing this? Or absolutely is, 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 they is should. Uh, you know, we've, we've been saying the whole time, get crazy with it. And while they've done some, some silly, crazy stuff, it hasn't really, like, crossed over yet. It hasn't gotten to, like, the, oh, my God, I can't believe they actually did that. It hasn't gotten there yet, and yes, it's starting to get repetitive for all of the for the Drake Maverick and R Truth stuff. So I I liked it for the time, but now it's like find somebody new. Like let Elias hold it. If it's going to be Bo Dallas, great. Let him hold it. Whoever it is, right? Let him hold it for a minute. A, a or show. you know you can toss it around on the show, but then let someone new hold it just to keep it chaotic. Right now, the the highlights of the twenty four seven championship history have been. Um, you know the Fox show where the where the I, and I forget his name, but the Fox uh, sports news anchor sure. winning it was a that the, was a great the Raw moment. reunion show where you had the legends uh, getting the it. legends that was the highlight for me. Um, Maria Canellas getting pinned in the gynecology chair was a great yeah. moment. Jinder Mahal getting pinned on an airplane, like those are some highlights. But they they they've got to stay creative with it. Otherwise, it does start to feel stale, and I feel like it's getting stale right now. But it feels still, like they're letting the the people that are circling the 24-7 championship go back and like high school musical makeup skits and themselves and present it to the production team. Like it doesn't feel like there's a lot of thought going into this. It's like, yeah, just go backstage, find a dark hallway and do some shenaniganry and figure it out. We don't have time for this. But I feel even with that, they could be way more creative with it. I feel like there's still some yeah. reins being put on it. I feel like they're being held down a little bit in, as far as what they can do. Um, and that the, you need to let the leash off these guys. Uh, yeah, 
I can't even say his name, but D-E-M-C-0707 Iffy <laughs> in the chat. That's reminds Magator me guy. That, that, oh, is that Magator guy? Oh, That's it's Magator not Magator guy. guy. Oh, so I don't know his handle. I barely get to see the chat. <laughs> uh, Magator guy uh, points out that R-Truth is a 14-time 24-7 champ already, which speaks to kind of how repetitive some of this is getting. So I think yeah. they need to let the leash off a little bit more and really go nuts. Um, because I personally think the 24-7 championship is a great idea for uh, driving views to social media, and you can make it all about YouTube videos and tweets and stuff like that and actually have some sort of like a very new kind of interaction with professional wrestling and with titles and so forth on social media, on the Internet, uh, if they just want to get creative with it. So it's just a matter of being creative. Yeah. Uh, but Nick, speaking of creativity, there was a whole lot of it on display this last weekend because we had a ton of big shows we also had NXT. We got a lot to talk about, Nick. And all of that happens over in the wide world of wrestling. Oh, boy. So, guys, to set the stage here, Ian and I spent the better part of 48 hours debating whether or not we wanted to do a recap show because we normally don't do, like, standalone recap shows for non-WWE pay-per-views. But these were so good... These were AEW All Out and NXT Takeover UK was so good we almost did. So we'll we'll look into that more next month when we start changing the format around. But let's talk about AEW All Out first, um, please. Let's 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 run through this thing. Yeah. Um, so first of all, on the pre-show, you had the women's casino battle royale, which I can really only call kind of a cluster because ninety percent of the wrestling in this match was absolute garbage. Sorry to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish. I wish I could be more positive about it, but I have to call a spade a spade. It was it was really not good. Um, but we did have there was a lot of women in this match that I did not expect to see in AEW. Some of them are not actually signed to AEW, but um, let me give you the rundown here. Uh, we had let's see Leva Bates. Uh, let me make sure. Yeah, Leva Bates, Fabi Apache. Priscilla Kelly and Nyla Rose and Shalandra were in first. Nyla Rose eliminates everybody. Then the second group comes out. Penelope Ford, Shazza McKenzie, Sadie Gibbs, Big Swole, and Dr. Britt Baker. The third group was Tennille Dashwood, Eva Lise, Bea Priestley, Brandy Rhodes, and Awesome Kong. And then finally in the fourth group, Allie, Nicole Savoy, good to see her, Teal Piper, ODB, and Jazz. So before we get to the Joker entrant, the 21st entrant, um, run down those women. Did any of those stand out for you? What, or did any like did, did any of their booking surprise you at all? Yeah, seeing Tennille and Ivelisse come out kind of blew my mind. Like we 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 knew that Ivelisse was going to get an opportunity. We talked about that at the end of the last week's show. Uh, but just yeah, very very excited to see some of these names in women's professional wrestling start to appear in AEW. Um, so we, we've mm -hmm. seen we've seen Nyla Rose. We've seen Awesome Kong. We've seen uh, Britt Baker, uh, Kylie Ray, et cetera. But to see those that are kind of uh, you know major players in a sense, we w that have been around uh, you know prominently in, in women's wrestling for some time now. Uh, Tennille Dashwood, formerly Emma of the WWE, uh, and we've seen Eva Lee's come in, formerly of um, Lucha Underground. Uh, all of this that and, was very and WWE, exciting for yeah. me. And WWE there, yeah, for a short time. So yeah, I. I, that was probably the highlight for me. Um, we also got to see the debut of Mercedes Martinez. 
which I did not see coming at all. I would not have expected that one. Yeah, she uh, was number 21. Equally excited to see her come out uh, and, and have another opportunity here. So it, it was it was a little sloppy. It was a little messy, but I'm not mad at it. I, I actually I, I enjoyed it. It was fine. Um, I don't I don't I didn't think there was mu- this was more about building a women's division. They haven't really solidified what the women's division is going to look like other than Brandy Rose and Awesome Kong kind of swinging it around and saying we're in charge here. Um, Dr. Britt Baker uh, getting that first opportunity. Uh, other than that, nothing's really no feuds have been established. We haven't seen anything else happen. So I like the idea of making potpourri out of this and seeing what happens. It's one of the best things about battle royale matches that we like is the um, the faceoffs and the moments and the feuds that uh, are born in these kinds of matches. So yeah, we'll see what gets made of it, what comes out of it. But I think this was important for the women's division in AEW to kind of establish a, a roster of female superstars. Uh, in AEW. And that worked that way with the men's as well. I just don't know. Not all these women are signed. Tennille Dash would have still signed with Impact. You know, the, not all these women are officially AEW. But the woman who won it is officially AEW. That's Nyla Rose. So she gets a, a shot at the first ever women's title for AEW. Um, so we'll see what happens with Nyla. Neither of us got it that one right. We did not see Nyla winning this one. Uh, we also, let's see, you got this one right. Private Party versus Jack Allen Evans and Angelico in the other uh, pre-show match. Um, Private Party, that shocked me. Are they making them out to be like the next big tag team that's up and coming uh, here? Are they, are, they, are they putting them on a pedestal a little bit here? I thought that until I saw the tag match later. Uh, so come back to me <laughs> on that one. All right, I'll come back to you. Yeah. Uh, main show, SoCal Uncensored. SCU defeated. SCU. Uh, yeah, they beat two boys and a dinosaur, Marco Stunt. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Uh, um, I was shocked by this, Nick. You, by the way, I'm just gonna I'm gonna spoil it for everyone right now. Nick dominated on the pickums for All Out. Dominated. The only ones I got right were ones that Nick and I agreed on. That is how bad it was. Uh, Nick, the only ones you got wrong actually were the Casino Battle Royale uh, and uh, Cody versus Sean Spears and Kenny Omega versus Pac. Those are the only ones you got wrong, and we both got those wrong. So it was. This was I think everybody domination. got those wrong, frankly. <laughs> well, maybe. But uh, utter domination from Nick on the Pickums. So why don't you tell me, why did, why did SoCal Uncensored win? Why not have Luchasaurus, who might be one of the most over guys in AEW? I mean, good God, not only his moveset, a guy that size should not be able to do moves like that, but just his presence and the, the kind of the, the gag of his gimmick. Uh, why not have those guys win? They don't need it versus SCU that I think does. I, I think they're trying to make SCU be the face of the tag division for AEW. Like they're they're opening shows, they're pulling the curtain a lot. Uh, so they're coming out as and and they're they've got the whole kind of crowd participation. This is the worst city I have ever been in, kind of thing. I think that plays really well. It's a great sort of MC moment to open a show. They've done it a couple of times now. So I, I think they're looking at SCU as they're going to be our key tag team to holding things down here, at least initially, until we really get the division and TV going uh, uh, by the end of the year. So I, I, the other side of that is I don't – Luchasaurus and you know Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy, all they're over already. 
Like, they don't have to try. They show up, and they don't need anything. So they're going to be fine eating this pin here. That was my viewpoint on this. SCU needed this to establish a little bit of that uh, dominance uh, in, in the tag division, and I think they've got bigger plans for them. So. Or at least show that they're vets and they should be respected. And you've yeah. got, like, as you said, I think they got plenty of energy for two boys and a dinosaur coming uh, up. A five foot uh, nothing guy in Marco's stunt doing the butt floss in the middle of the ring doesn't need to be your dominant tag team right now. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I, I can't disagree with as that. The, as the uh, connoisseur of the Busted Wide Open podcast, when it comes to tag division wrestling, uh, I thought it's a concert of busted wide open when it comes to butt flossing, but that's just that's your <laughs> thing, man. You you keep that to I, yourself. I couldn't do that. That might uh, be a challenge one of these days that we throw out to the listeners. I mean, given how bushy your beard is, I'm just gonna say I don't even want to know how it would be. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Pac versus Kenny Omega. This is another one that shocked me, but it also shocked you, Nick. Pac defeats Kenny Omega. Kenny drops to zero and two because. Wins and losses count in AEW, Nick. We've got the wins loss like record. They're on the next Tron. Games when they come out. <laughs> That's how much they're gonna they're gonna care about wins and losses. I dig that. I dig that yep. a lot. Why have Kenny on the slide going into TV, going into the beginning of the major show? What do you think the rationale is to have Pac undefeated and Kenny Omega? I, I, honestly, when I say it like this, <laughs> it sounds rhetorical. But bear with me. Why have Pac undefeated and Kenny Omega on a slide? Uh, because it'll make it that much bigger when Kenny Omega finally overcomes Moxley. Hey! Well, that's the question. Would this have... Do you think it's going to go this way if it were actually Moxley? Because I mean, it's going to be another news segment. Good we'll question. Talk, they've, they've made that match official again. We will be seeing Moxley versus Kenny Omega fairly soon, about a month and... Mm, two months exactly. Uh, we'll be seeing that match. Do you think it would have gone this like would Moxley have beaten Omega? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I agree. I, think, I, I, I think, actually think that was the plan because you also have to have a plan for Kenny. And I think the plan was that Kenny loses a little bit. Um kind of like how he could never get over Okada there for a while. And then he, when he finally did it, it was just that much bigger of a deal. Um uh, so I think the same kind of thing is at play here. Uh I think the initial plan was probably to have him uh have Moxley go over him instead of Pac, but which I found out they were pronouncing it Pac. We've been saying Pac this whole time. It's Pac, I guess. Anyway, uh, I'm say, well, you know, you know, here's the problem. They're saying it with an American accent, but if you're British, of course, you say Pac. Oh yes, okay, I'm, here I'm, comes. That we're lovely, not British though. Pac. He's a bastard, don't you know? And he's from Newcastle. Oh, whoa, how dreadful! He's from Newcastle. Oh my goodness. What a savage. Savage. All right, Nigel. Calm yourself. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Jimmy Havoc versus Darby Allen versus Joey Janela in the um, – Nick, uh, we called it. Someone might die match. J <laughs> Jimmy Havoc comes out, wastes no time. The bell has <laughs> barely rung, jumps out of the ring to get a staple gun and just staples oh. himself because yep. Jimmy Havoc. Hashtag because Jimmy Havoc. This is how it's going to be, guys. Here I'm comes in. the staple gun. We yeah, had, I, we I had was just in from there on out. <laughs> we had thumbtacks get, get duct taped into people's mouths. The duck, like, the stuff. Uh, uh, there was, there was, there was, uh, 
Well, People were so down on the Jimmy stuff. Havoc signing. He was one of the early ones this year that got picked up and signed. And people were down on it going, I don't know. And I was, was going, no. Yeah, Jimmy. Yes, that's yes, that's exactly what you need. Who was down on it and what's wrong with them? That's, they it's, were it's, down it's on it a little like, bit on the show, the uh, the YouTube series. Show? The thing they were doing on YouTube. There was doubters and people saying, oh, I don't know. Is he past his prime? I don't know. Is that oh, a hardcore thing? Kind of maybe. But look at what we got. This this weekend, man. That that's the Jimmy Havoc I've been waiting to show up. The one that would have them put thumbtacks in his mouth and duct duct tape it closed, and then take, take a, a tope from somebody oh, while God. sitting in the chair with thumbtacks duct taped yeah. into your mouth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just so the yes, thing about yes, this yes. show that was great is is it really was a smorgasbord. You had a little bit for everybody, and it meant there was some highs and some lows depending on what you were looking for. Like if you're here for pure, pure wrestling, you probably didn't like this match. If you were here for a death match, you were probably bored to tears by some of the much longer pure wrestling matches. That being said, if you enjoy it all, you're probably a very happy person. Uh, and this because this was a fantastic example of the death match style. You had some absolutely insane stunts. Um, all I gotta say though, having seen some death matches, this was fairly safely worked, yeah. um, and not not too gory, all things considered. Um, the one that the move that I actually cringed the most at was uh, Darby Allen, poor little Darby Allen, getting up on the top turnbuckle with a Cracker Barrel barrel. By the way, did you know this match was sponsored by Cracker Barrel, Nick? Did yeah. you know that? Yeah. They only mentioned it about as many times as WWE mentions that Seth and Becky are dating. Uh, you get Darby Allen gets on the top rope. Top turnbuckle, puts a cracker barrel behind his back, and does a coffin drop. Drops backwards onto Jimmy Havoc, who's lying on the stairs far away from the ring. They've been pulled away from the ring. Of course, Jimmy Havoc gets out of the way because he would have died right. if he had stayed there. <laughs> uh, as it was, as it was, I thought Jimmy Havoc was dead. That looked that looked absolutely nightmarish. Uh, so yeah, Jimmy Havoc picks up the win here. Uh, you knew it. You called it. I called Darby Allen to win. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Havoc, I think he needed this win, Nick. I, I agree with you. I think Jimmy, if he's going to be established as like the deathmatch guy, yeah, this is yeah. this is the way to do it. My, your move was the barrel coffin drop. Mine was the use of the skateboard with the thumbtacks. And I think he, no, took, a, he yes. took a swing. Oh. He took a swing at Joey Janela, I believe, hit him in the back. With the thumbtacks, and then didn't uh, Darby Allen did an ollie off the top ollie. rope? Oh my god! With, with the thumbtacks, with thumbtacks stuck to the bottom, glued to the my bottom god. of the skateboard. Uh, <laughs> creative, insane. Uh, we had a, a, a uh, tag match, kind of a lull in the show, I think, for the next couple matches. Dark Order beat the Best Friends. Uh, the only really exciting thing about this was that Orange Cassidy came out for the save. For best friends after they got beat down and all of the goons were beating them up. So I'm curious to see if Orange Cassidy will join best friends if this is just a one-off or a way to get him on the show. Uh, can, I, Riho, can I get a shout-out to Orange Cassidy for the hands-in-pockets Tope Suicida? That he, he that was just absolutely brilliant. Never took his hands out of to, his pockets. Anybody who wants to diss Orange Cassidy can go watch all of the moves this man can perform with his hands in his pockets and then come back and talk. Yeah. Uh, Riho defeated Hikaru Shida. This one surprised me as well, but I guess it makes sense. We're going to have Riho the vet uh, go on to face Nyla Rose in the women's championship match. Uh, Cody beat Sean Spears, Nick. This is the one that, that kind of shocked a lot of people. Everyone thought yeah. that Sean was going to get the rub and go in as a strong heel, 
But this was also there was all kinds of stuff going on this with with this. You had shenanigans from MJF, who was basically kind of act like act like a dick while Cody's back was turned. You had Tully Blanchard, who was getting involved in things. Uh, and then, of course, when things got too heated and Tully was beating up MJF outside, who should come out to regulate? Who should come out to enforce? But the enforcer himself, Arn Anderson, he still and gave got it. A, mm, gave a beautiful. Oh, Nick, that spinebuster is still golden. And he gave it to Sean Spears, and Sean Spears sold it like he'd been shot. Yeah, somebody. Um, he looked like he took a double barrel, both barrels to the <laughs> chest. <laughs> Do like you he think just, this he is did all... not move? <laughs> no, is this a story? Big old Arn has still got it one hundred percent. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people I... saw this happening when when Tully was. We got you got you got a Rhodes, you've got uh, uh, a Blanchard involved in the match, and Arn Anderson is with the company. You kind of had to do this. So what was the John quote Spears that Jr. said movie? on commentary that I sent you a text about? Let me. Let no me one look can at... get into a Rhodes's head like a Tully Blanchard. That was said. brilliant. I, I thought the mm -hmm. meta level of commentary there crossing generations yeah. uh, was fantastic and kind of letting everybody know before Arn had ever come out. Uh, like there the was all of this here. stuff about, look, I've been around the Rhodes family my entire career. Uh, like, it's been building to this. And then the whole no, thing great. with the belts. Yeah. And then Arn coming out just to settle that score a little bit. Uh, this whole thing was fantastic. I didn't see well, the I end coming the way that it did, but I, I thought this whole match was very well worked. Uh, I, the surprises were nice. The outcome was okay. Surprising. I'll go along with this, and it makes but sense fine. now that yeah. we know what's coming at full gear. It's funny that uh, Cody Rhodes, as much as he, you know, oh, I don't want to use my last name, and he tries, he says he wants to distance himself from his own personal history with his dad. It's funny how so many of his matches since he left, since he really started AEW, have been about personal history, whether it's Nick Alderson winning the NWA title, whether this thing with Tully Blanchard and Arn and everything. But um, I don't have a problem with it because, I, <laughs> frankly, I love it. I love that aspect of it. So it's working for me. Nick, then we had uh, the final two matches of the night, Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks in a ladder match for the AAA tag titles. Lucha Brothers win after what can only be described as one of the most insane tag matches I've seen in a long time, uh, at least since... Oh... Maybe LAX versus Briscoes. Uh, this this was absolutely insane, with probably one of the most uh, I consistently gift uh, spots of the night, which was Pentagon Junior doing a goddamn Canadian Destroyer off the top of the ladder on the Matt Jackson through a table. I thought he I, killed him. Which, I thought his I, neck was, was done. Like, well, well, that's it. He's dead. AEW's done. Yeah, he's dead. Yep. Yep, sorry. He's dead. Even in slow motion, when I saw them come down, I'm like, how did Matt survive that? Yep. I can see how he did, but at the same time, dear God, an inch or two off, and you've killed a man. Um, absolutely insane match, insane spots. It's basically that's the match. Is it was just a bunch of insane spots, and it was beautiful. And that's really all I have to say about it. Um, no surprise there, Lucha Brothers won. And finally, the final match, no surprise here. We talked about it earlier. Chris Jericho beat Hangman Page to become the first ever AEW champion. The only thing I want to say here, because we talked about it in the, in the, in the big news section at the top, and then we got to move on, is after this, there was a bunch of controversy. Baron Corbin tweeted out, uh, for everyone who says that WWE is, uh, I'm not quoting directly here, but everyone who says that WWE um, 
is wrong for having older wrestlers go over younger wrestlers. Look at AEW. They're doing the same thing. What do you think about that perspective of Jericho as being an older wrestler who's not putting over the new guys? Do you think that's a legitimate criticism of this Jericho winning over Hangman Page here? Um, I don't I, you know, that's not the question I want to answer, if that's okay. Because I want to, I want to, I want to, I'd like to spend the next couple of minutes talking about what I was thinking when I saw this happen. If you had told me in 1999 when Y2J was coming out, having uh, co- promo offs with Triple H, Vince McMahon, The Rock, Stephanie, all of that, if you had told me then that that guy, 20 years later, would be at the top of a brand new wrestling company, I would have told you you were crazy. I want to. I want to just absolute. I mean, Jericho has. I think I've finally gotten to the point where I can fully appreciate Jer- Chris Jericho. I've always viewed him as kind of a uh, a funny guy that got phrases over and gimmicks and all of that kind of stuff. But look at how well. I mean, him coming out in that spike jacket and the hat. I had Clockwork Orange vibes in his outfit. Uh, just the way that he looks there, the whole remake of the pain maker and from his matches in new Japan, the guy has reinvented himself 20 times over at this point, And he's still caved in chest and everything. Still the inaugural AEW championship of a brand new company and caved in chest and, and beer belly and everything. He's, he's still, but he's still going to work still, still doing lion salts, still sneaking under the ring to blade still, you know, getting color, all kinds <laughs> Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Uh, no, Jericho, I think, absolutely deserves this. I think I think we said it last week. He's absolutely the one that needs to carry that title onto TV uh, mm-hmm. to be the inaugural champion. It wasn't going to be, I like horses, Hangman Reigns oh, with his geez. bull whip. Oh, and brutal. I, you know... I just want to commend Jericho. I always, it wasn't until the last three or four years that I really started to truly, I loved Y2J in the Attitude Era. I thought it was one of the funniest things out there, especially going back and forth with The Rock uh, and giving Stephanie McMahon hell, right? But I never truly appreciated him as a performer until about the last five years. So I, okay. kudos. And that's, I think that was his. I think that was his whole point in leaving WWE and reminding people or rather reestablishing that for himself. But more, I think the issue here, Nick, is that they're saying that there is something that's comparable between Jericho going out there and having a fantastic match against Hangman Page after having multiple fantastic matches against some of the best wrestlers in the world across several different promotions. There's something. There's some sort of parallel between a guy who's older and doing that on the level that Jericho's doing it and going out there and cutting promos that are becoming relevant across multiple different social media strata. There's some sort of comparison between that and having Stone Cold Mick Foley, uh, Shawn Michaels come out and The Rock come out during WrestleMania and bury your current existing upper mid-card talent. Right. Go out there and just give them, give them one finisher and, and wipe them out. That there is some sort of comparison. There's not a comparison. Chris Jericho right now is a, a wrestler, a professional wrestler who is out there and working and doing it at the level of anyone else who's currently working, perhaps even better than most people. And he's, uh, he's, con- he's continually relevant, and he's stayed relevant, as you said, across the years. 
He's not retired. He's not on the sidelines and coming back and burying people. He's not uh, um, a uh, a freak one-time event. He's not a, um, a sideshow, right? He's not coming out and spearing Dolph Ziggler three times and leaving. And we never see him again until the next pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia. That is where I think this comparison falls apart, is WWE has no problem having uh, one of their past major draws come back and pop ratings or pop attendance and then leave, but leave one of their current talents looking weaker in the wake. Chris Jericho beating Hangman Page, I don't think made Hangman Page look any weaker. Hangman mm-hmm. Page was not on Jericho's level right. yet. Jericho's a currently a current wrestler who is older, but he's old and wily. That's how they're playing him. He's also a consistent character on the show. So when he doesn't, quote-unquote, put over Hangman Page, it's not that he's not putting over the new generation. He's establishing a position where the new generation has to take it from him on an ongoing storyline. Not he's there, he's going to beat you down and leave, and you can never get your win back. There's so many things wrong with this perception. Um, and Corbin was completely off of base and, and being a little you know, corporate ninny about it, but probably that's also a work as well. Who knows? The bottom line is here that Chris Jericho absolutely deserved to have this title here. He's the best option of the two, possibly, possibly the best option altogether for them to have going into AEW's beginning on TV. So anyone out there who's saying that this is somehow comparable to uh, the way that WWE has passed talent Bury current talent on a regular basis is completely off base. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with, with all of that. Yeah. Well said. Let's also not forget also uh, front manning and writing music for a chart topping band that's very successful. I like his song Judas, that is now his entrance music, thankfully. I love yeah. that song and love it as his, his entrance song. So the only I, person that we just mentioned that, that's even kind of keeping up with him is Stone Cold because of all of the stuff he's doing. Yeah. That's all the, yeah, all the auxiliary stuff like TV well, and, and the, podcasting and, and all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and the Rock. Well, the Rock doesn't have a podcast yet. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. The Rock he doesn't. doesn't sleep. You know, he's yeah. got he's got social media. Man, he doesn't need a podcast. He's a 24 seven podcast. If you followed him on social media, yeah, guy is relentless. Yeah. Uh, one last thing, Nick, before we got to move on and do a ton more show. Good lord, uh, there was a bit of controversy. They had uh, when Cody came out. He came out with Pharaoh, his dog. And uh, Hangman, as you said, came out on a horse because a horse, by the way, named uh, Hunter Horse Helmsley. I don't know if you knew that, uh, but That's I'm not funny. kidding. Um, but both of those animals were not happy about the pyro. Pharaoh, in particular, was really not happy about it. Uh, and they've since apologized, and Tony Khan was mad about it, and they've, they've said, whoops, we, we see our mistake. It won't happen again. Is that something that we can say was just okay, dumb mistake, you'll do better next time, or is that like, are we really mad about that? I'm not really mad about that, no. Uh, I understand what they were... So Cody coming to the ring, in case you didn't know, was given the stipulation that he could choose someone to have in his corner, and that was either Diamond Dallas Page, MJF, or Brandy and Pharaoh. And he ultimately chose MJF, which is what we saw in there. But I like the idea of his gang come into the to the ring with him was it an even with the star, Tre- the star trek gear the star trek gear too was that okay listen that's a different podcast altogether <laughs> you're darn, I, you're I, darn I, as a play wrestlers as Shut a true geek myself i actually appreciate it so i will leave it at that however um the the dog was ill-advised 
you know, you could see even in the tunnel when Cody was out by himself before they came out of the tunnel that the dog was kind of losing his shit, even just from the crowd noise. And they should have just pulled a quick one and just let had somebody take the dog and just the, yeah, the three of them fair. come out themselves. But, they, I, you know, I, I don't fault them too much. They tried something unique. Uh, the dog didn't react that way. I... They probably will. We will never see Pharaoh come down the ramp again, most likely. Nor, nor I think should we, unless nor unless you can we. get him used to it. There are some dogs who are non-reactive to that, and Pharaoh obviously is not one of them. You know, I can had, chalk had it up the, to a dumb mistake. Had the horse bucked Hangman Reigns off, that that would have made for some good TV. But uh, I'll I'll leave it at that. You're, you're just you you've really turned on Hangman, haven't you? I'm, I'm yeah no I'm I'm not into it. Wow. Wow. Oh, no. man. This is a new development. I always thought he was the lesser one of the elite anyway. So the fact that he's wow. now on top of the world of AEW, um, it kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit. So And an attempted murderer, by the way. Uh, luckily, Joey Ryan did survive. That being said, Nick, there was a lot of developments as well over on NXT. We got to rip through those here because <laughs> there's still like half of our notes to go. My God. A couple of matches this week, mostly enhancement matches. Brizongo defeated Chase Parker and Matt Martell, uh, which is cool to see those guys back in fighting form. I like the new entrance. Uh, Io Shirai attacked Candice LeRae uh, out in the parking lot, so that's continuing to simmer. Uh, Cameron Grimes cut a promo. Nick, I want to know what you thought about this promo and the fact that he, at the end of the promo, saying that he was mad he lost in the uh, the breakout tournament, but he's you know he's coming back for more, and then he put on a a, a top hat. Nick, did what's he that? steal what, it from Jericho? Happening? It looked like the same hat. Oh Lord, <laughs> please don't make. <laughs> what him is it come with people in like top a, hats these days? You know. Well, I don't know. Are they going to make him come out like like Marty Skrull, 18th century Victorian Cameron Grimes? Like, I mean, what, I got what, Dean uh, Ambrose vibes, but Dean Ambrose backstage promo with a chain link fence vibes off of this. Like, did he just find well, some back dumpster area? And I, listen, I don't, I don't have anything wrong with what he said or his reactions. I understand the frustration. He actually looked like he had uh, Jordan on the ropes there in that match. That was a fantastic final. Sure. Uh, so I, I, I understand the frustration, and I, I like that they're continuing to give him and Jordan, for that matter, opportunities. Uh, you know, let's let's infuse some new talent into this rotation that's going on right now before Undisputed Era Velveteen and everybody else starts to get a little stale. So I, I want to make sure that we keep things fresh in NXT uh, as some of these guys begin to cycle out once we get to to TV on Fox. So I actually here in what a week, yeah, or, uh, on uh, USA. I mean, sorry, not Fox, but I I sit here going, okay, well we we're gonna need more people than like five people when we go to two hours live. So this is fantastic. Jordan, Cameron Grimes, Trevor Lee. Uh, other new folks you got coming in. You got new tag teams showing up. Fantastic. This is exactly the infusion of talent that NXT needed. Uh, and I'm, I'm not mad at it at all. The hat, whatever. He'll try it. If it doesn't work, probably ditch it. I'm not, uh, what, what, you, I'm not going to rain it too hard. You brought up Ambrose backstage. It kind of reminded me of Ambrose's horrible jacket. Uh, that he had during that phase where it's just, yeah. it just, 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 just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Velveteen Dream. He had a match against Kona Reeves, jobber to the stars. <laughs> but the big news here was after it, who should show up on the TV but Roderick Strong? And he torched Velveteen Dream's couch. I actually he stood went, up and he went, went full on. No! I actually stood oh. up, ran out of my chair and went, No! 
<laughs> not the couch. That's my favorite oh, thing God. that Dream does. He went full on Rick James. F oh. the old couch. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that being said, I thought it was a good idea because at least this way, Velveteen, like, you got to get under Velveteen Dream's skin. It's just too often that Velveteen Dream does not, like, seem, like, he's like, I'm better than everybody else, and, like, you don't get under his skin. Man, that's a good way to get under Dream's skin. Uh, we do know that Dream versus Strong for the title will be a match on that first night on USA. So uh, the prophecy might actually come true that right when they get to USA, Undisputed Era with all the gold. We also had Bianca Belair beating Tainara Conti, as she should. Um, but we found out that Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, Mia Yim will be having a number one contenders match also on that first night on USA. Of those three, Nick, who should be the next content, uh, number one contender going for Shayna Baszler? What were my choices again? Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and Mia Yim. Uh, evil Shirai. I think, yep. I think I think I think evil Shirai does it. it like it took this turn for her to be able to get over Shayna Baszler. And I think it needs to have a stipulation. Uh, I think it uh, the match ultimately whenever we get there. Um, I don't think it's Bianca Belair. I don't think it's Mia Yim. I think Mia Yim and Bianca Belair could go off and have a program of on their own. Um, but I, I think Eve, they're building Evil Shirai to take this off of Shayna Baszler. That's my opinion. I would like that. I think that's the problem. She's probably the best option. I think there might be some sort of shenanigans, and Rhea Ripley might uh, make it a four-way. But we will see. Uh, That'd be Adam Cole. That would be. Adam Cole beat uh, Jordan Miles, the aforementioned Jordan Miles, who was uh, bummed out backstage after losing. The question I have here. Um, because he he did Miles did lose clean he was all bummed out and he had Keith Lee kind of consoling him in a weird way. Um, I, I think it's no surprise that Cole is going to beat Miles here. They have to establish Cole as like a potential long term champ. I think he's a good champ to go into USA with. What are they doing with Keith Lee? He just lost to Dijak last week. Um, now he's kind of playing mentor to Miles. Is he going to turn on Miles? We have a program between those two guys. They become a team. What's going on here? I have no idea. I'm still not over Keith Lee and Dijak just yet. Like, I, I want more out of that. I, <laughs> I don't know if we should move on from that just yet. Like, give me more. Um, put right. both of them on opposing teams at war games here in a couple of months. You know, I just I, feed me more. You're, you're pulling right back on this. You got right yeah. yeah. Well, if you want to get fed more, Nick, uh, well, let's talk about U- NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff because okay, that can was we finally about, talk that a, about this. <laughs> that was a full meal. That was a full meal right there. Uh, you had started off. Let's 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 get through the, the early stuff because Noam Dar versus Travis Banks was it was a fine match. It was what it was. Noam Dar picks up the win here. Cool. It felt kind of like a, a jumped up TV match. Um, you had honestly a, a, a tag match that uh, would have been in conversation for best match of the weekend if it wasn't for. Uh, Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers, and the main event of this show, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews pick up the hometown win versus Gallus and the Grizzled Young Vets. Uh, was it right to take the titles off of Grizzled Young Vets at this point, just because of the hometown pop? I don't know. I haven't been following, admittedly, full disclosure here, guys, I haven't been following NXT oh. UK. I'm one of those guilty of sleeping on NXT oh. UK. Guilty. 
as okay. charged. All right. Um, so I don't. I'm not invested enough in the tag team division of NXT UK to understand the dynamics of it and whether or not they should have dropped the titles or not. Well, then so, let me change the question. As opposed yeah. to like the history going into this, do you feel just even watching this match? Because man, some of the false finishes in this and the the match ending teases were brilliant. It wasn't yeah. like kicking out of finishers right and left. It was how they swerved you on even how a pro wrestling match is written. You know, the the good guys get a shot and then they never get the shot again. The bad guys win. That's they tweaked you seven different ways from Sunday on this. And then when the when the hometown guys won at the end of this, the pop was the, the roof came off the place. Yeah, um, we had we had some listeners who were there. Uh, who were wonderful and were telling us about how the event was and said it was a blast. They lost their voices there. I mean, it sounded like a really good time. Um, and I'm very jealous of them <laughs> having a and, great and, time. And that there. venue is one of the all-time great wrestling venues, for the record. That, yes. That, that place is beautiful, and the acoustics in there are crazy, and I bet I it's think, loud as hell. I think Vince uh, McMahon has actually gone on record saying it's his favorite, too. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought that after all was said and done, it felt like man, they really should have had them win uh, just because of how they did it and the reaction. Yeah. Right? Uh, just, like, I, well, I don't match. know. I kind of like letting, you know, I don't know how Flash Morgan Webster's still alive at this point. That's probably why he wears a helmet <laughs> to the ring. Uh, but, uh, it, but I like him and Mark Andrews winning this match for that hometown feel good, uh, if, yeah. if nothing else, uh, and to pop the crowd to kind of open the show like that. I, th so, I think the other reason why it was the right thing to do, Nick, and and let me let me insert this here. Do you okay. think it has to do with how they booked the rest of the show? Uh, possibly, yeah, possibly. They 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 swerved us a couple of times, um, and I, I'm not sure. I mean, there was something that happened in the next match, but yeah, the way that they the way that they did things later could play into this. You know, they wanted the the hometown crowd to feel that, but pretty much throughout throughout this card. Uh, you could make the argument that it was it was a hometown play, so I I'm not sure I I, I need to start keeping up with NXT UK more uh, because I was very very impressed uh, with what I saw in this show. Definitely, sure. I, especially uh, you had Cesaro who guest starred on the show as well, uh, and he had a match against Ilya Dragunov. He Ilya Dragunov answered his open challenge, um, and it's Cesaro was treated like a god. When he came out, and everyone's kind of like, "Oh, Ilya, what are you doing?" And honestly, they gave like it was the perfect match where you have an existing superstar and an up-and-coming guy, and they both traded strength spots and they both traded wrestling spots. And Cesaro looked like an absolute beast, and Ilya looked like an absolute beast coming out of this. Nick, um, I'm gonna guess that the end of this match was one of your favorite things of the weekend. Cesaro beats Ilya Dragunov after a great slobber knocker match. Leaves, comes back in, and looks like he's about to knock Ilya down again. Sitting in the corner, looks like he's about to take him out. But instead, he stands up, shakes his hand, gives him a hug, whispers in his ear for a while, and then gives him the ring. What do you think about yeah. this? Fantastic. That's it's in the feels. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, I knew I'm you liked that. Good <laughs> moment. Um, and then we also, also had, it was not forty yeah. swings. Okay, let's let's clear this. Oh yeah, up. he had the big the big it, swing in the middle of the match. Yes, it was not forty full three hundred and sixty degree rotations. No, it the was, audience just loved it. Was the crowd things. fast counting to forty? It was probably realistically <laughs> about twelve swings, twelve uh, rotations. It was not. I actually counted legit swings. It was about twenty eight, but okay. uh, twenty eight full rotations. It's okay. still a lot. He it's gave. He, he, was, 
He swung Ilya Dragunov. Now, he did it, I think he did like a, something like 100 on the Indies, if I remember correctly. Uh, so he, he set his own record. This was, this was nowhere near his record. But Ilya's also quite a bit heavier than the guy who was swinging on the Indies. Anyway, I, just, I just got dizzy hearing 100 swings. Ugh. 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 Yeah. Ugh. My, uh, Dave Masters versus Joe Coffey, last man standing match. Woo! Um, lot of fun but also at the same time exactly why i hate last man standing matches you had they were brawling in the ring it was great one of the turnbuckles popped off uh which i think was a work it just looked too it looked too planned yeah but um then they brought in the audience and from the reports that we heard uh from the arena people just couldn't see him and the crowd kind of died and they ended up going over into a corner and uh they both were on the ground trying to stand up using some of the um the cases for support and as they were both trying to stand up, Joe Coffey kicked the case out from uh, underneath Dave Massive as he was using for, for support. On the nine count, Massive fell to the ground, which meant he did not answer the ten count. Joe Coffey did, and he won. And the audience was like, what, what happened? We have no idea. Yeah, we, we can't um, see anything, guys. <laughs> yeah, so kind of an unsatisfying finish there, unfortunately. Uh, but not as unsatisfying, I think, for you, Nick, as the women's match, which was surprisingly short about 10 minutes compared to the rest of the matches on the show like that's very short tony storm versus kaylee ray ended when kaylee ray just beat tony storm clean well if you were paying attention last week on the show i may have said something that i was prophesizing after ray 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 ripley showed up on nxt Uh i think tony storm was going to come over as well and you even made the comment well we'll see if she drops the belt to kaylee ray this weekend yep Drop the belt. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Here comes Tony Storm to NXT. It's about de- hell. It's about time. It, this- it's about to go down. Oh, Hope so. Tony Storm and Rhea so. Ripley against Shayna and the Horsewomen on NXT. Yeah. about that? Yes. We'll see. They, I think they need another strong, big, strong superstar face yep. uh, woman yep. over on NXT. That's what we are saying last week. So hopefully yep. that is the idea here. A little bit of a short match, which was surprising. A lot of people didn't like that and that no, was, thought it was kind of a poorly workman. <laughs> All right, well there we go. Um, but what was not terrible, Nick? Walter versus Tyler Bate for the WWE UK Championship. Dear God Almighty, I was um, not prepared 42 for this. Two minutes, forty-three minutes long. This match. Uh, basically, what happens when you give a Hobbit steroids versus a human Austrian bear? Um. You have a, a, a little guy wow. who's just too strong to be stopped versus a big guy who is also unstoppable. The, is the irresistible force versus the immovable object. Just, just played out for 42 minutes. You can't keep Tyler Bate down, and you can't put Walter down. That was this match. And these two guys beat the absolute hell out of each other for 40 minutes. They've... Uh, they've Faced each other before in the Indies, I think once in progress, I believe. I, I have to check that. Um, and it was a good match. This was match of the year. For me, it's this or Osprey uh, Shingo at best of Super Juniors for, for match this, of the this year. This is definitely this is, top three, top five match of the year contender. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I'd have to go dig and, and figure out what my list is. I don't have it in front of me right now. But I mean, th- this is, it's a I, I did not see this coming. <laughs> and I knew it was going to be a good match between those two guys. I didn't think Walter was going to drop the belt to Tyler Bate. What it no. was interesting to me as well was the um, the alliance of of Pete Dunn joining 
alongside Mustache Mountain. Well, that's because that's the, because you haven't watched recently. That's British yeah. Strong Style. They've been an existing three-person team for a while, but understood, but understood. It, yeah. And I remember them coming out together. You know, uh, for when NXT UK was first established, all of that stuff was there. They were the original sort of uh, some of the guys that were on that card, but. Um, I, I did not see this coming. This was easily one of the matches of the year, period, hard stop. If you have, I, I, there's not many major wrestling things happening this weekend. So I, it's on my list of things to go back and rewatch. Um, yeah, because it's, it's a commitment holy <laughs> to rewatch shit. this match. Oh, yeah. You, you make some Lord. sandwiches, get a beer, and you're in for an hour. So I, mean, I had a yeah. sweat. I was sweating. I was sweating and exhausted at the end of this match. Like this wasn't this was a classic all time yeah. classic. This is this is beyond match of the week, Nick. This is a go out of your way, drop everything to watch this match. Match. Yeah. Um, if, so if yeah, you watch I, really, nothing else this week, go watch this match. <laughs> watch this match. If you watch nothing Agreed. else uh, over the last month, go watch this match. <laughs> I I actually feel bad moving on to New Japan after saying that because it's really the Royal Quest was good, but it was definitely the least of the three big shows this last weekend. And it was a really good show. Uh, I'll run through it quickly. Rapongi 3K beat Taguchi, Shooter, and Ren Narita. Uh, Juice and Ibushi beat Yujiro Takahashi and Hikaleo. You had uh, uh, Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles. They currently are in a feud with Taiji Ishimori and El Fantasmo. Um, and they, they beat Ishimori and El Fantasmo. It looks like they'll be going for the tag belts, the junior heavyweight tag belts, uh, on the Destruction Tour. And Osprey actually challenged El Fantasmo for Osprey's uh, junior heavyweight belt, so that'll be interesting. Uh, Naito and Sonata beat Jay White and uh, Chase Owens in a kind of eh, match. Naito definitely was taking some the night off. Uh, Gorillas of Destiny beat Aussie Open, um, but I know that Gorillas, De- Gorillas of Destiny will be defending their tag belts on the Destruction Tour as well. Uh, Kenta had a match with Tomohiro Ishii for the Never Open Weight Belt, and it sucks because. Kenta should have this belt. It allows him to challenge heavyweights and junior heavyweights, go all over the map uh, in Japan without you know anyone raising a fuss about it. Um, and he's such a heel. He deserves to have a belt to gloat and make us hate him. What sucked was it looked like he got concussed as hell in the middle of this match because he was just – he could barely even get up on the ropes to celebrate at the end. Like he was, he was a mess. Yeah. So that's I, – I hope he's okay. I hope he's not injured. Um the big news was that Tanahashi beat Zack Sabre Jr. for the Rev Pro Heavyweight Championship. Why would Nick? Why would they put the belt on Tanahashi? Do you think? You ask a rhetorical question. I have no idea. I, I don't. I, is it because he never won it before? Has he ever had the Rev Pro title before? Tana Tanahashi? has not. No. Well, that's. I frankly is it I just think a plus been, one checkbox that he needed to add to his resume that he had never accomplished? Honestly, it's the only reason no I can dis- think. Uh, no disrespect to Rev Pro. This is all about respect to Tanahashi, but I think the Rev Pro title has been kind of beneath Tanahashi for his career up until now. Um, and if and if you know about Tanahashi, you know what I mean. I'm not dissing Rev Pro. That's just the level Tanahashi has been at. Yeah. Um, you know, you're 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 not having 2010 John Cena go for your European Championship. Right. Uh, so <laughs> sorry. Or the, a 24 7 11 European TV title. Right, but this but this does actually really give a lot of um, the, the, a lot of shine to the Rev Pro title. This this puts the Rev Pro title over big and makes it a bigger title. If they're going to have that be defended on their big shows in New Japan going forward, 
this makes it a lot more of an important title. Well, so, uh, it also kind of gives Tana something to do at Wrestle Kingdom here in a few months because he's not really in that Naito, Ibushi, Okada, Jay White picture uh, at the top yes. of the card with those two belts. So I, yes. I like the idea of giving Tana something to do at Wrestle Kingdom here as well. It's funny because you actually said it was rhetorical and you just came up with the best answer for it. Is you Now you have Tana with a belt potentially going into Wrestle Kingdom. Whether yeah, it's so, against I mean, Zach, it's, Zach you know, again or whoever. Zach or maybe put Ishii in there. There's there's all kinds of stuff you could do with it. Or Minoru Suzuki, who's held it before himself and had a match with Kazuchika go. Okada, uh, which was another great, amazing match between these two. No surprise there. Also no surprise that Okada won. Um, no one thought Suzuki was winning this, but he did look like he was an absolute monster before doing so. Um we got to move on, Nick, so I, I'm just going to kind of answer this. going to throw this out there as just something to ponder, but is there really anyone who is going to challenge Okada? We know Sonata's challenging him, uh, probably in the Destruction Tour. Uh, is anyone going to really challenge Okada and be someone we're going to believe is, is going to take the title off of him before Wrestle Kingdom? Uh, no. Given all of the, the, the double title talk that's going around, or is, are they going to have to go through Okada to get both titles? The IC and um, the... the I, I think the the more interesting story is definitely the Naito and Intercontinental title with Jay White, uh, Itabushi, and Okada all kind of in the picture, circling those two belts. I don't think anybody's taking that off of Okada because it throws all of that into disarray. I think the plan yeah. is set. I think we know already what we're walking into Wrestle Kingdom 14 now in January. So I, I I don't think anybody's it might challenge them, but it's not gonna be a they're not gonna take that title off Okada right now. I tend to agree. Um I, I can't think of anyone either. But that being said, Nick, we gotta head over and talk about some listener questions. And I'm very excited because we have a lot of them this week. Yes. It, 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 Thank from you. From what you were saying. Yes, yeah, thank so you guys very much uh, for getting your listener questions in. If you want to get yours in, it means you are our $5 or higher patron over at patreon.com slash BWO. For a simple $5 contribution per month, the cost of buying myself and Ian a beer one time a month, you can ask us listener questions that we'll answer right here on the show every single week. Patreon.com slash BWO. Also, with the $10 tier, check out some sweet bonus episodes that you get access to. But kicking things off today is Gerardo. You can take one female superstar, one male, and one tag team from AEW to WWE. Who you taking? Ouch. Uh, if I were to take one female superstar to WWE, uh, it would be... Well, I mean, the problem is a lot of the ones I would take to WWE have already been there. Awesome Kong, been there. Tennille Dashwood, been there. Mercedes Martinez, kind of been there. Um, and those are three that I would love to take. Awesome Evil Kong East, would be my number there. answer. Evil East, been there. I mean, I would love to take Awesome Kong there. I think that given the current lineup of the roster there, she'd fit in really well as like a monster. Um, but she's been there, and they misused her. So, But that's who I would take. if I. And then if I was booking WWE, I'll, I'll, I'll say it that way. Uh, as far as one male superstar, you're you're gonna hate me for this, dude. But I would take uh, Hangman Page. Yeah, I think that in. he would actually he would fit in really good over in WWE yeah. with his with his athleticism, athleticism and his look. He could maybe even turn heel and go slot into Undisputed Era. Uh, he'd be one I would take. And from a tag team, sorry man, Lucha Brothers. Yeah, I would. I, they we were they were rumored to go. 
um, if they could get past the uh, the way that WWE books masked Mexican wrestlers, which I think they could. They kind of have elevated themselves above that already. And uh, if you look at if WWE kind of stands back and lets someone who has a reputation outside of WWE just be themselves in WWE and get over using those that, those gimmicks that they've already created. Uh, if they let the, if they did that with Lucha Brothers, it, done, they'd be over. I'd be worried that they would just bury them like they've done so many other tag teams. That's my only thing. My answer would be Young Bucks. I think the gimmick fits. I think the the flair and the flash fits. So I you don't think they bury those two? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Tag, I I, I don't know. They they so. seem to be into costumes and fun gimmicks and things like that. Uh, look at New Day. Look at Usos. Look at Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, but then there's also on the flip side of that, there's AOP and Ascension and every and Sanity and kind of everybody else that has somewhat been buried, gone. Who knows where all those guys are? So I don't know. The tag one is hard. The I agree with you on Hangman Page. That was going to be my answer as well. Full disclosure. The female one, I think Britt Baker would would be would fit in very well in the dynamic of the top of the women's division that's happening right now. Huh. Um, it, it's she's kind of that archetype mold. Uh, we haven't seen too much uh, in the sense of promos, but it would also make a little bit of sense with her and Adam Cole uh, being in the same uh, promotion together. There's a lot of reasons why I would take Britt Baker over there, um, but and I think she has a lot of potential. So I those would be mine that I would take uh, Britt Baker, Hangman Page, and the Young Bucks. All right. Thank you very much, Gerardo, for the question. Next up, Andy, a skill for a top wrestler is making their opponents look amazing uh, even when the opponent loses. After doing this for Braun and Buddy Murphy and now possibly Rowan, have we finally found Roman Reigns' best role in the company? Is he better served staying in the upper mid-card and not in the main event title for a while? Yes. Yes. I, I, I actually think this question is rhetorical. Yes. yes. Yes and yes. You answered Absolutely. your own question, I, champ. I, <laughs> <laughs> I no, he's and he's he's totally right with it too. He uh, yeah. Roman has been good at getting guys over for a long time. It's one of the reasons why he's very respected backstage. Um, and it, this is just where he's at now is fantastic. I think this is great. He's not. Uh, he's still not healthy enough, or they don't have enough confidence in him to make him the man again. But you know, right below the man is the perfect place for him. So yeah. loving it. And I love that. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I'm starting to get the vibes that he's over enough that he's starting to put over other talent. We're seeing him work a bit, with Rowan a bit. I'm getting that that little bit of vibe, a smidge of that. That that's how they're using him now. And oh, you I'm mean not, the thing I'm, we actually want him to do, as opposed to just right. burying everybody? Okay, yeah, right, exactly. What we've been wanting yeah. for years at this point. <laughs> it's happened. It's happening, Nick. It's all yep. coming together. WWE TV is is actually exciting every week. It's fun to watch, and Roman Reigns is being booked properly. It's all coming together. We have exercised oh. the demons. Oh. Uh, thank you very much, champ. Good question there. Uh, good, good talk topic as well. Um, Josh, next up, who's getting a world title first? Braun Strowman, Drew McIntyre, or Shinsuke Nakamura? Uh, Braun Strowman. Yep. Full, full stop. Yep. <laughs> Drew, uh, Drew is in uh, nowhere land right now. Shinsuke is the IC belt. I don't see him coming out of that program anytime soon. Braun will be in that title picture for a while. Uh, unless the Fiend runs rampant for the rest of the year, it's going to be Braun. I could see a Braun-Drew WrestleMania main event 
2020 for the Universal title. That's kind of where my head's at if if they keep this going for the next nine months. Um, that's I, If things play out, which they haven't played out how much how I think, other than like Rey Mysterio and the OC, right, for those of you that are patrons. Um, but I, I, I can see a Braun Strowman champ defending against Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania next year. But I think Braun first as well. The good question oh, is, Josh. Yeah, everyone should be worried about Nick's next booking experiment. <laughs> He's already it's already begun. Especially you, Nia Jackson Riker. Oh, All God. right. Next up, uh, Jacob. Who do you see stealing? I mean, taking the AEW belt off of Jericho. Uh, it's a good question. Will you know? Breaking news: We now know it's been announced tonight that at Full Gear, Cody will be challenging. Uh, Jericho's first defense of the AEW World Championship uh, will be Cody. So Cody versus Jericho at full gear. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they drop it immediately like that. So I'm I'm kind of torn. Ian, if you want to weigh in here, I I don't know who that first one is going to be that takes it off of Jericho. Do you? Well, I mean, we do have a, a top of the card already. You know, we've we've got our Cody, we've got our Moxley. Um, Omega, if he has a comeback, Sean Spears. Yeah. Um, but it's really going to be dependent on Jericho. How long does he want to stick with this company in that position? Does he want to go back and work Wrestle Kingdom uh, for New Japan? And if so, does he drop it to Cody in, in November? Personally, I think he holds on to it for quite a while and maybe drops it to, uh, you know, if Moxley decides to go, pardon the pun, all in with AEW and not want to travel around and go to New Japan and all that stuff and <laughs> get an infection and prevent him from being on a pay per view. Um, yeah, I, I honestly think they might have him hold it until Kenny Omega rehabs his career and have Kenny take it off of him. Yeah. So I think, but, I think Kenny could be the one if I had to, if I had to pick one, he gets over Moxley finally gets a huge re- reaction off of that. And maybe beyond full gear going into 2020, we end up with, um, Kenny Omega versus Jericho 2.0, uh, you know, this time in AEW. And, yeah, Kenny being the one to take it off of him. I, I could see that as yeah. the grand plan. But I don't see Cody don't, taking it off of him at full gear. I'm, I'm going to warn all of our patrons right now when it comes to asking me how to predict AEW. If my performance on this week's pay-per-view is any indication, I'm not the guy you want to ask how AEW is going to book itself. Because apparently I've got no idea. That would be this Nick. Guy. You wanna, this you guy. You want to ask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jacob. Uh, next up, Chris. How would you guys? How would have you guys booked the Bailey heel turn? Uh, I think the segment was a little too short on Monday, and then the promo on Tuesday made it confusing. Is she heel or is she face? Also wanted to know when the roll up became the most protected move in the WWE. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, how would you have booked the Bailey heel turn? In did you like the way they did this, or would you have done something differently? Honestly, I, I like the Bailey Hill turn a lot. I thought that it went just long enough on Raw to keep us talking until SmackDown, and then I actually loved their promo on Tuesday because um, it wasn't confusing to me. She's a she's a heel who wants to talk and think that she's a face. That's a classic heel trope. She thinks she's a face, but she's really a heel. Um, so I know so far I'm loving it. Hopefully it'll become more clear as it goes on. But I I thought it was clear as it was. Uh, as far as the roll up, the roll up has an interesting history because it used to be used a ton back in the day. Um, and as far as a protected move, it's actually more a move to protect people that they still use, you know, when you want to give someone a win that doesn't, that feels like a fluke. 
it's not always done correctly, and I think these days they're kind of spamming it a, a little bit too much. Um, but it's it's kind of come in and out of fashion being used in booking and matches. Uh, the funny thing is, I think the only reason people don't like it is because so many times it's not used properly. They don't build a matchup to make it feel like a fluke win or it's just a straight schoolboy roll-up, which kind of looks like crap. You know, if you do like a, a small package or a, a, a cradle or anything that like looks a little bit more like you're holding that person in that position for three seconds, yeah, the schoolboy doesn't really look like that. It looks like someone's just waiting there and then it doesn't, it doesn't look good. Um, so, and I think that, you know, if you have a roll up that looks good, it protects the move itself a little bit more and it protects the people that are involved in it as well. Um, I think that we're seeing a lot of roll ups also with the freaking 24 seven championships. So that's not helping the perception of the move either. Right. But, um, but again, I don't think that there's something inherently wrong with a roll up finish. It just has to be done Right, and I think there's just too many matches where it's done wrong these days in WWE. Yeah, the, the um, roll-up finish has to be used in the context of sneakiness and a heel getting away with something or even in a face dynamic in an insurmountable situation, they get a quick sneaky roll-up and run out of the ring. I, I, outside of that context, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Look at the fantastic roll-up finish to Gable versus Andrade this week. Where a perfect he gave example. Him like a crazy uh, move into the actual roll-up pin itself. It looked like Andrade was completely out of sorts going into it, and then the audience popped so hard because it felt like a quick, sudden uh, move that Gable pulled out because he's just good enough to have moved his body and his weight into that position, and Andrade didn't know how to counter it for just enough time. And it snuck out a victory. That's a perfect use of a roll-up, but just yeah. too many times it's not used well, so... Sorry to spend more time on that question than the initial question, but I, I think I think the the idea of a roll up finish is fascinating um, because it can be used so well and, and be such a great finish, but it can also be such a terrible finish. And I think that's yeah. The and, and and you made a good point. It's very oversaturated right now, and we're very like uh, just overexposed to it with the twenty four seven title. It, that every single one of those are sneaky roll ups from behind. So uh, you know uh, that might be part of it as well. Great question, Chris. Thank you very much for that. Uh, next up, Patrick. I feel like the faction system, or lack thereof, in WWE has been terrible for quite a while now. If we you agree. could start a, <laughs> yeah. If you could start a new, I like this. <clears throat> this gets into tinfoil hat fantasy booking territory. If you could start a new faction with one male, one tag team, and one female sanity, who would they be? Excluding the <laughs> phenomenal ones with Joker Ballard. Bring back sanity. Yeah. You, you, had, you had it. It's sanity. It was yeah. done. So I, um, I don't know. I'd have to think of this. Jesus. This is a this is a pontificating one. One male, one tag team, and one female. I mean, I, I my head keeps going back to sanity. Like that was kind of perfect. Why they yeah, botched I mean, that all it, up? I have no idea. Because it was a gimmick. The whole thing was a gimmick. And right now, I mean, unless this is almost like a part of a, of a bonus episode right here because you'd yeah. have to like, you'd have to book existing people. I feel to create a really good faction. You have to book existing people into a new gimmick that covered all of them. You know what I mean? Um, beyond just like having just random people put together as far as like people that are talented, 
that I would love to see just working together. Um, uh, yeah, I, I agree, Nick. This is one where I'd rather I'd look at the roster and kind of kind of stare at it and and think who would be good uh, working together. But you know, I I honestly believe if you have a bunch of talented people and you throw them together and you give them a purpose for being together, it doesn't matter who you put there, you can make it interesting. You know what I mean? If you've if you've got um, let's say I'm just going to pick some random people off the top of my head. Let's say you take Ember Moon, uh, Andrade, and Heavy Machinery, and you want to make them into a faction. With the with the talent that those four people have, doesn't you put a gimmick on them? Just figure out a gimmick for them that fits all of them. They're good. I mean, they're they're that's going to be a great thing as long as you have an interesting gimmick for them. They're going to be great because they're so damn talented. Yeah. So, what if yeah, we took that, what if we, we took Lindsay Dorado and Grand Metalik, flipped them, and put them with Zelina Vega and Andrade, and it was a it was a sort of lucha heritage kind of I don't I almost yeah. said house party. I, I just I, that's the only thing that's really coming to mind. I'm trying to find a common theme. Yeah, that feels more the, like the three guys, three guys and a manager. But I know what you're saying there, and I like yeah. it too. But yeah, that, that's this is a this is a long thought out one. I'd have to really. Uh, yeah. marinate on it a bit, but but my, I don't know. My the o- the OC be, with Finn Balor is is also still very intriguing. Uh, real real talk. Look, like put the phenomenal ones and Joker Balor thing aside for a second. Have the OC flip Finn Balor. It's crazy to think about, but it would be fascinating. Like we just saw somebody that we never thought we would see flip heel in Bailey flip. What are you saying that Finn, Finn would be the uh, the female superstar in the setup? Stupid, sexy Finn. Okay, yeah, <laughs> Finn Dong. Finn. <laughs> hey, what's I, I, oh my I was, God. I was outside of, of that. Of course, Even your mind would I was, go there. I was, sicko. I was addressing the fact that he said excluding the phenomenal ones with Joker Balor. I, I think that could be really good if the OC continues this ascent that they're on as kind of a dominating faction, just beating up everybody. I'm, I, I could totally see a way. You know, within the next year, that they figure out how to flip Finn Balor and he joins up. I don't know that they'll keep the OC around that long. It didn't last very long last time uh, that they tried this with John Cena. So we'll see. Um, I <laughs> I, I don't know. The chat. the chat butter says New Day heel turn, then change their name to the Dark Knights. Wow. Put him with Lacey Evans, and I'm interested. Yeah, well, that could be interesting. <laughs> I said it'd be interesting. All right. Yeah. We gotta we gotta get through the rest of these, Nick. There's yes. a lot of good questions here. And thank, thank you, you everyone for all these again. Oh man. I, I, Patrick, I'm gonna be marinating on that one for for a while. Yeah. Next up, Rule. What's up, Rule? How you doing, man? Yeah. Uh, I thought All Out was a great show, but I really didn't like it when Cody and his entourage brought their dog to the ring. The yeah. animal was clearly scared by the pyro and Brandy almost couldn't hold him and MJF had to take over. What do you think about that part? I, I think we addressed this one already pretty well. Um, I, I wasn't a fan of the fact that even though before it, when they were in the tunnel, you could see that the dog was obviously distressed, should have just taken him to the back, ha- had a producer or somebody, an AP take the leash and just lead him back to the room. Yeah. Um, the, should they, the thing, they should have just yeah. made the call right there. Yeah, I, I agree. As soon as it happened, you should have just changed the entrance and it would have been momentarily embarrassing, but made you look better overall. Um, as a very proud dog owner ourselves, Nick, uh, you know, I, I got a dog Ziggler sitting by me over here and I will say this in the, in the defense of them, like they brought him out at a couple of other events and he's been fine. 
Um, you never really know what your dog's going to do situation yep. to situation. And sometimes something's going to hit them weird and they're not going to like it. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad person. Um, you may have just not anticipated how this other intelligent creature is going to react. Right. Maybe he's having a bad day. Maybe it was just a particular level of sound that hit him wrong. Um, you know, he woke up feeling a little nervous or something happened earlier in the day. You, you just never know. You know, I, I got uh, I got some days where the old Ziggy man is uh, is having a great day, and there's other days where he's a lot more skittish. So you never know. But uh, I definitely will give them the benefit of the doubt on this one. They obviously love and care for uh, for Pharaoh a lot, and I don't think that this was negligent per se on their part because he has come out with them before and been okay. Yeah, and um, he's a he's also a big part of all of their YouTube content. So he's right. uh, Pharaoh is constantly uh, in and around uh, being the elite or the all elite shows. You know all of that stuff. Pharaoh's a big part of it. So I could I like the dynamic of the the family being in Cody's corner. That being know, that said, whole thing. that being said, they shouldn't bring him out again. This should be no. a lesson. Yeah, yeah. That should this should be ne- like a, a sign. Yeah, that's it. Thank you very much, Rule. Great, great point. Uh, next up, Sean. Uh, there's a lot of names being thrown around joining the Fiend through social media, such as Liv Morgan, Rowan, and Braun Strowman, which I don't think he needs, by the way. But that being said, who would you have in a Fiend faction? I like that. Mm. And what's the name? What's the name for the stable? Fiend faction. That's that's kind of got a ring to it. As always, I'll put you guys over because I love the show and the dynamic between you two. Everybody should be subscribed on YouTube. It's free, and Sir Ian has to do something horribly embarrassing if we all just click a subscribe button. What? Thanks for all you do week in and week out. Thank you very much, Sean. He's talking about getting to a thousand subscribers. Oh, make sure yes. everybody's subscribed here because Sir true. Ian Dangerous will have to sing. Tai Chi's entrance song if we hit a thousand by October 4th. Uh, so thank yeah, you for God, reminding no. everyone no. there, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Uh, but yeah, who um who would you have in a fiend faction and what's the name for the stable? Um Rusev and Liv Morgan. I like the idea of Liv Morgan because she she was shown cutting off her pink hair recently on uh on Instagram. She hinted that that's what's happening. So it looks like they're probably gonna repackage her. Um Rusev is currently being repackaged as well. Him coming out as like a big beast for them would be because he's not freaking doing anything uh, would be great. I'm thinking of people that aren't currently doing things that should come back and join him. Even Bobby Lashley, if he came back and was somehow involved, would be fun. And just call it the Firefly Funhouse. That's the name of their stable. It should be like Pee-wee's Playhouse where it's just called Pee-wee's Playhouse and you've got Lawrence Fishburne, the mailman, uh, and and you know the all the different characters they have on the show um, both puppets and humans, and it's just called Pee Wee's Playhouse. Just call it the Firefly Funhouse, and you never like. And they all kind of have like their kind of sweet, innocent character, and then they all can kind of just turn on you and yep. be spooky and scary. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. I, I like the idea of that, um, but I agree he doesn't need it. The Fiend doesn't need it at this point, but at some point, it would be fun. Could be fun. I, I don't want The Fiend to have a faction, and here's why. Uh, hard no for me, because yeah. it's it's kind of a rerun of the Wyatt family. They've already done that. And I, I don't I, I want to see Bray Wyatt stand on his own as a true top-of-the-card performer, what, gimmick or not, and I think everything that they've done with the Firefly Funhouse that we all rave about has involved 
Nothing else but the craziness, the crazy mind of Bray Wyatt and a few of his friends making puppets and stuff and writing. So I, I want to let Bray stand on his own for a long time. And I want to see how he does without the dynamic of the Wyatt family or any other kind of faction uh, circling him. So let's let's see what they do with this. Again, let's all, you know, not to everybody, but, you know, keep it in your pants, WWE. <laughs> I'm just saying, everybody, everybody pump the brakes a little bit on the theme. Okay, all right. I, uh, I, I just I let it play out because this is going to be really good if they do. And I agree. It, I agree, Nick. They should keep it in their pants. But if they were to whip it out, this is what I would like to see. Yeah, like absolutely. John, some John Holmes styles. Anyway, moving oh. on. Moving on. Sean, thank you very much. Great, great question there. And thank you for the kudos. Appreciate it. And yes, everybody should be subscribed at this point. Uh, just, next just up, come out like a baby arm, just thump on the table. Like here's the yep. fiend and his faction. Thump, yep. Thump. <laughs> okay. Uh, next up, Billy. Once upon a time, three years ago, WWE dropped the ball. Seth Rollins came back as a damn heel. It ruined any potential momentum he had for a couple of months. So should Tomasa Ciampa come back as face and capitalize on his momentum of popularity? Or come back as a heel because that's where he was before. And who does Tommy Champs feud with? Gargano again, still? Or switch it up and go for Adam Cole? Bay Bay. Mm. Uh, do we have, before we mm. answer that, do we have a word officially on Champa's return uh, timeline? Within the next couple of months. He's, he's okay. pretty much ready to go. He's pretty much ready to go. Uh, they're just doing final clearance. But uh, yeah. I think he should absolutely come back as a heel, um, but come back strong as a heel. Ciampa is not Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins was in the process of kind of turning face at the time, and people wanted to cheer him. I don't think people want to cheer Tommaso Ciampa. People want to boo Tommaso Ciampa. He is much more of a dyed-in-the-wool heel. Just his look, his presence, how he carries himself, how he everything social media... He is much more of a di- like in the middle of his heel run kind of guy. You just uh, look at him and you just want to say, "You bald bastard! You son of, son a, of bitch. a bitch!" Uh, so that's yeah. I know. I think I think Tommy Champs comes back as a heel, and then if you want to turn him face, he can just be one of those heels that gets over by being just so badass, and he be he's beating up everybody, including the heels, and ends up turning face long term, coming back around, and Johnny Gargano kind of forgives him. Yeah. Or, or whatever, how, how you want to do it, like a tentative alliance between the two. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, who, as far as who he feuds with, everyone. Yeah. I would love to see something where Undisputed Era uh, fulfills the prophecy. And in the same night, like they celebrate for an hour or so between the matches. Let's say Roderick Strong gets the North American title off of Velveteen Dream. But then somehow Champa comes in, booked in a match with Adam Cole, and takes the NXT Championship back, and it just undoes the whole pro. Something like that, make it monumental. His return needs to be big, and it it needs to just really be a stamping factor. If you do a long, slow build on it, he's going to lose a lot of the <clears throat> momentum he had momentum. before momentum before he was injured. But I think if if he's coming back within the next couple of months. It's still very timely. We're still all very familiar with Champa at this the point. The fact and that it's gone kind of silent on his 
his status means it makes me yep. worry or not worry, but wonder if he might actually come back on the USA debut. It could be. That'd that be could be an one. interesting dynamic to you know really yeah, just undo the whole prophecy thing. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Billy, for the question. That was a good one. Next up, Will, what are your thoughts on the booking of Sean Spears versus Cody? It seems like a huge mistake to me. Unless you take All Out to be their, quote, mania, in which case it could be similar to all the face wins at Mania this year. So uh, what are your overall thoughts on Spears and Cody? Um, Well, I think we kind of talked about it at the time. We were were both flummoxed by it, too. We both thought Spears should have won. That being said, with Cody winning, with how they had him win, I think they're building up uh, ultimately an MJF turn on him. And he's gonna, everybody's gonna be flying high. Everything's gonna be going well. And then MGF is gonna stab him in the back so hard that he'll become the most hated man besides Jay White in professional wrestling. Um, so yeah, I actually don't have a problem with Cody winning fundamentally. It's one of those ones where I was like, oh, that's what they went with. All right, cool. I can see how that would work as well. Spears will be fine. He just needs to pick up a couple other wins and get his win loss record back on track. Uh, he didn't like. There was so many shenanigans going on. It wasn't even really a clean match anyway. Um, and I thought it kept Cody strong going into TV, where Cody should be coming in looking like a guy who knows what he's doing because of where he stands in the company. So it's one of those ones where it surprised me, but in hindsight, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It, now that we know what's coming at full gear uh, here in a couple of months, I, I'm totally fine with it. It makes all the sense yeah. in the world to me now um, that that's totally. what, the way they went. Uh, and it also keeps Spears looking a little bit strong, frankly. I think they had a fantastic match. Uh, thank you, Will. Last but certainly not least, Esme, stand in bear. Who do you think should be the one to take the belt off of Walter? P.S. I'm still upset about the Grizzled Young Vets losing. Liverpool's number one is a gift. Shoes as, off. As we are. For Gibson. As we are, Esme. Shoes off if you hate Zach Gibson. Uh, my shoes are off right now. How, what are you doing? Yeah, mine are, are too, actually. No, I... <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I actually no, I agree. Uh, the Grizzly Young Vets are uh, Vets are fantastic. All the yeah. all three of those teams were great in that match. Um, I I was sad that the Grizzly Young Vets lost because I picked them, but yeah, I, I was fine with it when I actually watched the match. Like, all right, hometown victory was awesome. Yeah. The crowd was super into it. Uh, who should take the belt off of Walter? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Have they actually? Um, figured out a way to irradiate someone with gamma radiation so that they turn into the Incredible Hulk yet? Yeah, Tyler. Aside Bate. from that, I don't know. I don't know who the hell. Uh, currently on their roster, um, Trent Seven's not. I think built it big enough to do it. And right now, they've had both of the other members of British Strong Style lose to Walter. Um, at this point, I don't know. He's got a four-person faction. I feel like British Strong Style needs to add a fourth person. But I don't know who that would be. Um, at th- I, this point, I could see Walter holding it for a long, long, long time. It's kind of like when Pete Dunne had the title, and like just no one could take it off him. And at a certain point, it was like, if you're going to have him drop it, he's got to drop it to someone significant. And then Walter came along, and we kind of went, oh, pff, it's going to be Walter. He's the yeah. first person we actually believe could take it off the guy at this point. Well, Walter is still that guy who were like, holy shit, that guy could have taken it off of Pete Dunn. They don't have, they had no one else for Pete Dunn. And they still don't have anybody who's on that level besides Walter. Yeah, there's no so who's going to take it off of Walter? I don't know. They got to they gotta freaking sign somebody or 
you got to build up a Mastiff or Coffee or one of those guys. Or Zach Gibson, I'll throw him in there again. I mean, one of those three. Mastiff, Joe Coffey, Zach Gibson. uh, But that's that's it. With Imperium, Imperium, you've got to have it be a faces who can handle the other members of Imperium. Right now, I don't think they have anyone. They need to get someone else in there. Yep. They got to get someone else in there, honestly. Unless Butters in the chat says, service. give Cesaro a chance. And I, I agree with that. I think that could be fun. At this point, let poor Cesaro go off the main roster, go to NXT UK, because he's treated like royalty over there, and they treat him like garbage on the main roster. I can yep. Absolutely. Esme, thank you very much for the question. And thank you to everybody, all of the patrons, for all of your questions every single week. And again, guys, if you want to get in on that, patreon.com slash BWO. Just $5 a month, you can get your questions in every week and more but ian we're not done yet we're just about finished but we've got just enough time for our other news lightning round beep, 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 beep. oh man I, I don't have enough time to get some of the great stuff i really want to talk about for a long time like the fact that rick flair is suing <laughs> wwe because they're using the term the man for becky lynch uh apparently a uh, flair posted a video of this for to tmz he said the WWE's lawyer blew him off, blew him and his lawyer off uh, a couple of times over between 2018. Like he's been doing this since 2018. Uh, twice he wanted financial compensation for the fact that the WWE was using the man for Becky Lynch. He said that uh, he's been using the term since 1981 based on the, on the phrase to be the man, you have to beat the man. He talked to WWE. He wanted to work on a private agreement. They said no. He talked to Triple H. He said no, we can't come to an agreement. Um, he says that he owns the trademark to the phrase specifically as it relates to wrestling. Uh, so yeah, he's going after more money from WWE for using his catchphrase that, and apparently he's even admitted his whole family's like, Rick, knock it off. Charlotte has said, Rick, knock it off. And he's like, well, no, his reaction to that was, I am trying to ensure that my family is financially taken care of once I'm gone. Um, especially his wife. <laughs> this his this right. This wife, feels like somebody is whispering in his ear. Somebody got in the old man's ear and is like, "Hey, man, you can get some more money out of this." And he's going, well, "That sounds great. Let's do it." Woo! Um, so yeah, no one's really happy that he's doing this, but Ric Flair suing WWE for that man money. Uh, Lince Dorado has been added to the cruiserweight title match at Clash of Champions. We didn't get a chance to do two hundred five live on the show earlier. Uh, but yeah, it's him versus Humberto Carrillo versus Drew Gulak at Clash of Champions. Uh, that should be actually a fantastic match. Uh, there has been a writer's shakeup on Raw and SmackDown. If, uh, if This is kind of a, a, a complicated thing to get to, but basically they had the guy from Raw go to SmackDown. The guy on SmackDown just quit. Ryan Ward was the lead writer for SmackDown. He's out. Uh, he called it personal leave. And whether this is because Vince has been tearing up his scripts for the last three weeks or not, we don't know. But uh, Ed Kosky, who was the head writer of Raw, he's going to SmackDown. So basically the guy who was writing Raw, who we were kind of crapping on for the last uh, six months, he's going to SmackDown. Yeah. SmackDown guy, he's out. The guy from Jonathan uh, Bakstrom, uh, he's taken over as a lead writer. He was uh, the lead writer for 205 Live since 2016, since November 2016. Um so he's been uh, he's been working for Raw recently, but he is now taking over as the lead writer for Raw. So all kinds of writing shakeup over there in WWE. We'll see if the product changes at all as a result. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rush 
Rush over in Ring of Honor has been, uh, he's going to get Matt Taven for the, uh, Matt Taven, excuse me, for the Ring of Honor title uh, at Death Before Dishonor on September 27th. Uh, so fingers crossed for Rush. I think he needs to get that Ring of Honor title. Otherwise, he is gone. He's. I think he's going to take off. Um, Ring of uh, Ring of Honor. I think is it's drowning. Uh, OWE, who you may remember for having a partnership with AEW, they have suspended their tapings, TV tapings in Shanghai, meaning that they are running absolutely no shows in China at the moment. So OWE may be floundering too. Perhaps, perhaps AEW might want to reconsider uh, working with them. Although they do have some very talented people. Yeah. Uh, Killer Cross. Want to talk about this more, but uh, can't really. Killer Cross. Uh, he has. He's still stuck with Impact. He wanted out. Mutually, they kind of wanted to get rid of each other because he wouldn't blade at their last pay per view. Uh, but he's stuck there at Impact through December at least. People have been speculating he had an 18 months left on his contract. It's actually only until December. But Impact could screw him over by rolling it over for an extra year, and he'd be stuck there. Uh, under impact for another year. So we'll see if they pull a WWE on him or if, as a show of good faith, they let him go at the end of December. Uh, Scarlett Bordeaux, you may know from uh, from Impact as well. She is uh, she is tried out at the WWE Performance Center. Don't let Vince see this woman because she will be the new champion of all of the brands. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't If you don't believe me, Go Google Scarlett Bordeaux right now, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, oh, all right. Surrey and Dangerous is right. Scarlett Bordeaux, new WWE Women's Champion. Uh, G. Raver was in a, a death match this last week at the GCW Black Label Pro event on, it was on the 30th, actually, so a little bit more than a week ago. Uh, the show was called Two Cups Stuffed. Give you an idea of what kind of indie show it was. But he was in a death match. They tried to do a brain buster spot on the top of two ladders, with some light uh, tubes involved, and he came down funny and just tore his arm apart, had to run to the back while spurting blood all over the place. The video's online. You can check it out there. It is gnarly. Uh, he has to get surgery as a result, and he started a GoFundMe page uh, to cover his medical bills because pro wrestling is not exactly the sport you want to be involved in uh, if you really give a crap about your body's well-being. Not a whole lot of healthcare going around. No. In uh, in the old pro wrestling thing, just ask John Oliver. Um, John Mox and Kenny Omega is also scheduled for full gear at AEW's November 7th show in Baltimore, Maryland. As you said, Nick, also we're going to get Cody versus Jericho at that show. Right there, those two matches alone mean it's going to be a big show. And StarCast 4 will also take place the same weekend. Uh, Ring of Honor news again and contracts news. Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull, our boy, our boy, mm. Marty Skrull, his contract, we've been speculating when his contract was going to be up. We thought it was as early as April. Apparently, no, it's officially done in November. We don't know exactly when in November, but if, if it's before November 7th, we might be seeing some whoop, whoop over in AEW. Uh, I'll leave it at that speculation. You guys can, uh, you guys can run rampant. And finally, I'm, I'm, ready, to, I'm ready to call it now. <laughs> what, let's do it. Yep. All yep. right. Marty, Marty Skrull to AEW. You heard it here first. Marty Skrull. Heard it here first. AEW. Soon as he, as soon as that contract is up, he's gone. Uh, villain Enterprises dissolved, or perhaps they're all going to go with him. We'll see. Finally, uh, Hijo de Fantasma officially signing with WWE. Uh, we said that he was likely going to go there about two weeks ago, but listener Jared 
had to remind us that this week he officially, officially signed uh, with WWE. Also, Nick, while we're at it, congratulations to Jared, who won our very first uh, what, 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 giveaway, our merch giveaway, swag. The, feed, the first uh, BWO monthly merch giveaway. That's congratulations, Jared. Yeah, a funny uh, and- thing about that, Nick, seeing as you and Jared's are old, Jared are old buddies, how does that work, Mr. What is this, like MJF well, Cody between you two? How's this working out, buddy? I, I'm waiting for the impending heel turn after I ship all the gear to him. So it's, you know, he's just going to duck out and be like, I'm out. Oh, yeah. No more supporting uh, the show. Jared and I do go way back, but I swear I don't even have the capability to do uh, uh, selected drawings. It's all completely random. So uh-huh. uh, we had 44 people uh, submit, hundred, I think, over 500 various entries throughout our various social media platforms and followings. And Which, the by the way, drawing, freaking yeah. thank you. That's actually amazing. Thank you. I want to I call that. That is fantastic. Thank you, guys, very much. Uh, we are doing this every month, so the same thing. Go back and re-enter. Just verify you're following all of our social media stuff. Uh, this will continue to grow. It's going to help us grow our social following online as well as the YouTube subscriptions right here on YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. But September is underway. Make sure you get your entries in. Uh, congratulations to Jared, and we'll see who wins at on September 30th, or should I say October 1st. We'll do the drawing for September for some sweet swag uh, from the Busted Wide Open podcast to you. All right. Well, the next uh, one, if next is, winner is your is your buddy as well. I'm going to really question some things. I'm just going to yeah, throw that out there, that, right? sir. I will say I will say this is a stipulation: if you can't win twice, okay, I'll throw All that right. out there. Uh, so, congratulations, Jared. You're going to get your stuff. Uh, can't win it again. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Well, that, guys, that's our show. Thank you very much for the news, Sir Ian Dangerous. And if you guys want to get in on some of our other action, you definitely want to be in the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook, as well as our new Discord server, where everything is live all the time, 24-7. You can play some music in there. There's a fun rewards system and special chat channels for patrons. We're only going to grow this thing. Uh, we've got special channels for pay-per-views, as well as each of the individual shows. So, spoiler alerts, If you you know, all of those are going to contain spoilers for each of the week's shows, but that is the place to be for the shows week to week. We will continue to put up the threads in the Busted Wide Open discussion group indefinitely until I see that they're just not getting used at all anymore, uh, and everybody has moved over that. But you definitely want to be in the Discord. You can find a link to it at the top pinned to our Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook, and I'll put it in a link to the show notes if you're watching on YouTube in the description right here below the video. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash Open, where we are live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And last but certainly not least, uh, definitely get in on some of that Patreon action. Patreon.com slash BWO. Uh, you get show notes, the ability to ask listener questions every single week, bonus episodes, T-shirts, Skype calls with me and Ian once a month. All Ooh. kinds of good stuff over on patreon.com slash BWO. Thank you guys very much for tuning in today. And those of you in chat watching live on YouTube, thank you very much. You make the show that much more dynamic, and we love you for it. Shout out to Raymond very Ortiz for the tip jar contribution. Going in raw, guys, for subscribing to the channel. Appreciate it. And uh, my name's Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! Somebody stop the damn match!
This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.